No, you know what? I'm fine. I've actually got a lot to do. I've got to figure out who really killed Marin and get him to confess. How are you planning to do that? Well, lately, I can be pretty fucking persuasive. Nice look for you. Showing your true nature? Well, I'd appreciate it if you guys would all just fuck off. Come on, Egg. Admit you killed her. It'd be such a huge scoop for me. Oh, good to know your journalistic integrity's fucking unimpeachable. Hey, you confess to me, I can get out of stupid local news. You know what? I got an idea. How about you guys beat the shit out of each other, and the winner gets an exclusive interview with me? <laughs> Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 114. Welcome to the Buzzed Kill Podcast, where today we're talking. I didn't, oh, well, it doesn't I, really work, does it? No, <laughs> it thought, doesn't work coming in that way. Well, I thought you were so, just going to go, we're today, and then I would go, we had an aha moment. Yep. It is episode 114. Welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, where today... We had an aha moment. There it is. That's the one. High five. Hey, good job. I'm Se- Mike. Second time through. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And um, we're off to a, the, the probably the best start ever. That that. Well, we're probably going to edit that part out so Why? nobody... Oh, we're not? Why? Oh, we're just leaving oh, that? Oh, we're leaving it. Okay, cool. We're, we're, we're flying by the uh, the skin of our pants here. The skin <laughs> of our pants. It doesn't even make any sense. If your pants are made of skin, <laughs> I guess, but... Uh, I, got, I, got, I got nothing for you. Was she a big fat lady? Was <laughs> she a great big fat person? Didn't, didn't, he, didn't he sew with skin? Or am uh, I completely off he was here? he was making a skin suit. Yeah, yeah, that's about... what I yeah. So I wore skin as my pants. Okay, it works. Skin pants. Had to get there. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is all really awesome. Uh, What's going on, boys? What's nothing. been up the last week? Nothing. I'm uh, I'm feeling a little French today. You are. I'm feeling a little French. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today's episode, because uh, we didn't get to it last week, today's mm. episode is our director spotlight on Alexandra Aha. Mm-hmm. Is it Alex- Alexandra? Is that how you say his name in French? I th- it's not Alexander. I've always, that's very no, American, I've always said like, like Alexandre. Alexandre? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I've always said Alexandra. So I'm not really sure which one it is. I don't know. I guess we should I... ask him. Anybody have his number? Yeah, let me hold let, me, let me call a friend. Let me, let me hit him up real quick. <laughs> I, I like to call him Aja. Aja! Aja. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a short period of time, I actually probably called him Aja. That's because I'm a stupid person. You're a great big stupid person. <sighs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm so sick of you. I, I haven't know. even seen you much lately, and I'm just um, so sick of you. You saw me like literally two nights ago. For what? I can't the remember. The election results. Oh, yeah. You were literally at my house. Yeah, what's what, what's with, like, we, uh, for some reason, we've become those kind of people where we get together to watch election results roll in. Well, let's be honest. It's more so just an excuse to get together and drink, but. We, we have an excuse to get together for pretty much everything, whether it's the Oscars or the Grammys, which we haven't done that neat. and we think we did the Oscars, but not the Grammys, because the Grammys are a fucking joke. I just don't care about award shows anymore. Yeah, but we used to do it for that. But yeah, the elections though, we still do it. We commiserate usually, but this is actually a pretty good year for us, for the most part. No, yeah. for me, <laughs> <laughs> your guy didn't win. <laughs> My guy. Well, hold on. I don't have a. I don't have guys. I'm not a Republican. I just 
I vote however I feel is gonna. I wrote Trump into every single space. That's what I did. You, <laughs> I just I just went in, did like twenty write-ins, and it was all Trump. <laughs> so so we, yes, I guess my guy lost. In a way. <laughs> While you're on the topic of politics, have you guys? Have you guys got the uh, the text messages? Yes. No, I, I was getting any like of them every I, single day. I keep responding to them. <clears throat> take me off your fucking list. Right. And like a day later. Like like verbatim a day later. Oh, real sorry, sir. We'll take you off our list now. And then the next day, I'll get another one. And I, I, and I would get that too. But they would be from different numbers, and they would always yeah. respond. We're sorry. We'll yep. take you off the list. You may get more from other other people, though. I never got that. Um. So this last time, the, the day before the election, I got one, and in, and instead of responding, take me off the list, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this guy good, right? <laughs> because his 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 line was a little funny too. He's like, Bill Schuette is the wrong choice for governor. He voted to allow drilling in the Great Lakes and failed to stop the Line 5 pipeline. Shooty Paludi. <laughs> so I responded. I said, Bill Shooty is my dad, and I support <laughs> drilling in the Great Lakes. And he was just like... What? <laughs> so it's real. Pe- I thought they were. I thought they were bot text messages. It's real people actually texting sometimes, you or what? Sometimes, yeah. I actually get responses from them, so I think I, they are real people. I didn't get a single text message or nobody. Nobody values like, my vote. He's like, shit. We just messaged Bill Shooty's son, telling him no. not, not to vote for him. No, Bill Shooty doesn't even have a son. Now you're on the list, brother. I think that if I ever got one of those from like a Republican, I would just go on and on about Watergate. And like, <laughs> just blame the Republican Party for fucking everything. I would just, uh, I'd just invite him over for a bonfire, and, and then roast him. And then, like, yeah, no. So no, I didn't. I haven't gotten any of those. Mm. I, I am, uh, I'm so glad that the election is over though, because like now you can smoke weed. I can smoke yeah. all kinds. Oh, yeah, we Michigan we legalized first, weed here. Yeah, not the that first, that, the not first Midwest. state though in the Midwest or even in the in the, in the East. Oh, are we really? We split the country down the middle and to the east of that. Like, we're the first country, or first, first uh, state. Really? I didn't know that. To become a country I really that legalized pot. I really don't care all that much. I mean, it's no. not going to affect me. I don't smoke weed anymore. I thought you did drugs. Huh? I thought you did drugs. Just it's, the hard I stuff. Don't think it's, I don't think it's cool. <laughs> I don't think it's cool to smoke drugs, Mike. <laughs> I don't think it's cool to do alcohol, even though I'm doing it right now. Yeah, no, I could, I honestly could care less about it. I've gone my entire adult life, for the most part, without smoking pot. For so the like, most part. <laughs> um, but, like, I just don't care. Like, and, and I've always voted to legalize it. Like, I've never cared. Yeah. It's supposed to bring in something like $150 million to our state. So, like, that's pretty awesome. It's going to go straight into Bill, yeah. Bill Shooty's pocket, uh, even, even though he's not the governor. <laughs> More like Bill Shitty. Yeah, Shooty Paluti. <laughs> right? yeah. Hey, that, that, I don't do it either, but there's uh, I know a lot of people that uh, that benefit from, you know, even family members that have medical conditions. Yeah, that especially, it helps. I'm to- yeah especially for, like, medicinal purposes and yep. stuff. I'm totally in support of that. And sure. really, I don't care about recreational use. People can do it all they want. I would prefer that people didn't get high and drive, though, because I well, have I mean, children it's, on it's the road the with same. me and Stuff. Same laws as drinking and driving. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, but there's no way to tell. Well, That's the only thing. It's, well, it's, it's kind of shitty that there's no way to actually tell well, if a person's been. Well, I saw a video today <laughs> that was the Michigan, like, you know, take this pot test. Like, he pulls these cars over and rolls the window down, smoke's pouring out. He's like, you you kids been smoking the pot? And she's <laughs> like, uh, 
I, I don't know, officer. And we're, well, you've been sitting here for 15 minutes. We're waiting for that red stop sign to turn green. He's like, all right, we'll take this test. He's like, blow into this for me. Well, is that a breathalyzer? No, just blow into it. And it's a kazoo. And they just all start laughing. <laughs> How could you not laugh at that? And, That's awesome. Uh, and so it was a few little tests like that. And it was, it was pretty funny. That's funny. Is that on TV? No, it was a YouTube thing oh, or something. Right on. It's pretty good. But, yeah, well, so, well, I don't know. Other than that, if you guys been doing Outside of losing anything, in the election, what have you been up to? I didn't lose the damn election, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> My guy's still the president, because uh, I wrote him in. We just lost half of our fan base. You know that, right? <laughs> no. Okay. Trump is not my guy. Uh, just just so that everybody knows that. Uh, no, I haven't been up to much. I hung out with you one night, hanging out with the fam, making some wallets. You, nice. live, a, you and, live a real uh, boring life. The wallets are cool, though. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I uh, <laughs> I went and saw a a Motown classic on Tuesday night. Who? I went and saw Stevie Wonder in concert. You did? Yes. How uh, did Sarah I, and I? How did I not know about that? It was uh, I don't know. Where'd you see him? At uh, Caesar's Windsor. He came to the casino over there. Mm-hmm. So we went to their concert venue and uh, he put on an awesome show. He had a full band, backup singers, horn section, the whole works, and nice. uh, and yeah. Did was, he? Did he play this thing? Uh, I cannot remember what the name of this instrument is, but it's uh, it's just a flat board, and it's got a series of like guitar like, strings, like sixty-eight dots on it. Oh, and it's it has guitar strings, but you play it almost like a keyboard, but it's just laid out in this. Okay, flat. he did. So I was trying to figure out what it was because we were sitting quite a ways back away, mm-hmm. um, and. And he was playing that, and that that so on piano. I was waiting for St- the musician in me was waiting for Stevie Wonder to hit a wrong note. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he didn't hit a single it, wrong it note on piano happen, no. on that little guitar string instrument. Mm-hmm. He like you know slid up to a chord, ring, mm-hmm. and a couple times he was. I mean, he was going fast, but a couple times fell slightly flat on hitting that perfect well, note. He just started it, playing. That's that. okay because he's blind. He just started playing that thing within like the past year or was so. It, was so. it that? No, those are pianos. No, those are harpsichords. That's <laughs> what I was asking you. No, 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 no. I was asking you if it was a harpsichord because I just loaded one into the church today for a concert that's coming up mm-hmm. and he was trying to describe it and go, that might be a harpsichord. No, no. But it's not. It's, okay. No, it's literally just like a, it, it looks like a guitar neck except for just a huge Wide. square. Yeah. And then it's got frets and stuff on it, and it's really bizarre. I, yeah, I'll, I'll find out so, what it's called and, and send you a link to some of the videos that I was watching on it one day. Yeah, right, because I'm it's, curious, It's man. incredible the way it's set up and the fact that people can play it because it looks complicated yeah. as hell. But oh, that's this, really cool. But yeah, the show was awesome. The uh, The mix was one of the best live mixes I've ever heard. It mm-hmm. was it was perfect. So uh, shout out to, uh, I forget his name, the guy. I was looking <laughs> him up because I was like, man, who is this dude mixing in this mm-hmm. room? Um so that was cool. Uh, I never seen the. That's the most people in my life I've seen doing the hustle at one time. My eyes don't cry no more. They the, did the, the hu- wedding song. You know, they, the there's that dance the, for it. Like down on the floor. There's people getting in the aisles doing this, and I was like, if Stevie Wonder knew how white people were gonna dance to his music, <laughs> he never would have written that song. Written that song. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. And, yeah, know, good time cool. all around. That's fun. I never knew that Stevie Wonder. Did the hustle. Was blind? That's no, weird. Like, I never knew that he was the guy that made the hustle song. Oh. Never uh, knew that. Yeah, I don't know if I did either. Yeah. yeah. So st- I'm not as stupid yeah. as I thought I was. See that? Yes, I am. Yeah. You are smarter than <laughs> no, It just makes us both stupid. <laughs> well, uh, anyway. So speaking I, of... Speaking but, of oh. but what about me, James? I, about, I asked I you several to, times actually, already. No, what you did you do? You didn't ask me What would you do? No one cares. What would you do? Watch the election with you. Do you have anything? 
What did you do? Actually, yes. Um, I watched the entire Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was pretty fantastic. Was it really? Yeah, really good. I've been hearing mixed, it's mixed reviews. It's super good. Anybody that's watching <laughs> it, I don't think is going into it the right way. It's like, it's weird. It's like, um, it's like a cross between like Hocus Pocus and... It's like a satanic version of Hocus Pocus. Is it very teeny, and like Buffy? Like, is it very like teeny bopper esque or what? It's got like a teeny bopper shell, but it has a heart of darkness. Like mm. it's like super violent sometimes oh. and super like adult mm -hmm. and like it's really weird. Like it's not made for kids, but it has that sort of like like teen Buffy the Vampire Slayer type like outer coating. Mm -hmm. But the the but the really violent. There's a part where like uh, one of the witches commits suicide and they all eat her, and it's like super graphic. Isn't that just that's what you do though, right? When a witch commits suicide, oh, well, you yeah. Eat it? But like, yeah. it, no, it's it's pretty fucking nuts though. Like, it's really crazy. It's really really good too. That's cool. Highly I gotta check. It. I got. There's a few shows that I I, I have yeah. to start the um, the uh, Haunting of Hill House because mm -hmm. everybody's been raving about that one, and I haven't seen any of it yet. And I just gotta get caught up on some stuff. Yeah, neither have I. I need to as well. Um, yeah, other than that though, no, I saw A Star Is Born. It's not really horror. How was it? But I saw it. Was it an Oscar contender? Yes. Yes. No, actually, yeah, I will say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's I know. really good. Anything with Bradley Cooper in it is going to be an Oscar He directed contender. it, too. There was a woman in the theater Just that ruined it, though. renaissance man. Like, at the very end, something really crazy happened. Tragic? Or... Really tragic happens. Yeah. And there's a woman in the front, front, front row. I'm not going to say what actually happened, but mm -hmm. she's like, Oh, my God, he's doing the thing he's doing! Like out loud like she's been talking for the whole fucking movie <laughs> and she's like like uh, like for example if the guy got into a car accident she's like she's like oh my god he got into a car accident like <laughs> and like me, like me and my girlfriend was like what the fuck is this woman doing she ruined the end of the movie like completely fucking ruined it maybe she's an aspiring narrator <laughs> I, I would never buy her books if that was the case. Cause... That does suck, but that just gave me an idea. We should go see a new movie when it comes out, uh -huh. and then we will go to the theater to see that movie again, and right before everything happens, we will just yell out, what's about to happen? And we will spoil it, like, three seconds before everything that happens. Bradley Cooper didn't really take her advice, and he went to the bar anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, other than that, no, I went out last night for girlfriend's birthday. Happy birthday, Kristen. Yes, happy birthday, Kristen. Had fantastic steak, because that's what you do. Oh, I didn't think that's where that was going, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what? What else What else do you eat char-broiled on a birthday? <sighs> Carrots. <laughs> Duh! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, uh, we have to get into some crackshots. Yes. <laughs> stupid! You're so stupid! <laughs> well, the, uh, the the horrific turning back of time that you just heard means that we don't actually have any corrections for this week. So. I, I kind of like that. We should stick with it whenever there's a week with none. <laughs> it was creepy sounding. It, it was. Really it was. sounded like almost demonic. Weird Al from the 80s. Demonic backwards voices. Who knew? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Anyway, I, why this is throwing me off. What do we usually go into after corrections? Have you been drinking, James? Have I? Ben, yeah, just well, half, you should be just half a beer. Uh, he totally, so <clears throat> he totally missed my softball of a segue that I just threw to him. Yeah, I know. I had to throw him a hardball. <laughs> throw him two hardballs. Oh, <laughs> all right. So is that a bruise in your forehead? Or are you just happy to see him? <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are talking about Alexand Alexandre Aha, if, if that's how you say his name. 
uh, a French director. French. French. And so uh, <laughs> so Michael had a hell of a time trying to find a beer for tonight. I did. Because apparently uh, nobody carries French beer around uh, here. Well, I mean, the French are not necessarily, at least globally, well-known for their beer. So like to find imported actual French beer was a little bit difficult, to be honest. Oh, uh, yes, the French. Ah, the French. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Michael went out and found us. It, it's weird because Cronenberg doesn't sound French, does it? It's Cronenborg. Cro- uh, Cron- Cronenberg. Cronenberg. <laughs> Cronenberg 1664. This is a beer I've never even heard of before. Nope. Comes in a very classy, classy like classy. almost uh, old school Michelob bottle. Yes, very much of, so. You know what very I mean? It's so. really nice. A nice, uh, nice green color. Mm-hmm. Looks really nice in the I light. Have, I have a feeling this is like the Bud Light of France. Oh yeah, it's I kind, I, I get that impression from it. But well, according to this, it is la première beer française. So it's the premier beer of France. Well, Budweiser is the king of beers. That's, so. that is true. <laughs> so in um, high life is the champagne of beers. There uh, you go. Um, Cronenberg 1664 originates in Alsace, a region of France where Strisselspalt, the caviar of hops, grows. Sounds like a fetish. Strisselspalt. The caviar of hops grows, a rare and aromatic variety of hop which gives Cronenberg 1664 its unrivaled superior taste. Cronenberg 1664, the finesse of an authentic, refreshing lager rich in flavor spelled with a U. Flavor. That's how you know it's classy when they put the U into flavor. Mm-hmm. Flavor. 5% uh, alcohol by volume, so nothing, Brass, nothing crazy. Brasse avec savoir-faire depuis 1664. This is brewed in Aubernais, France. Is this a twist-off? I'm guessing because it's French and fancy that it's not. Ah, the French. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what's that thank, from? Thank you, uh, Orson Welles. Yeah, actually, I gotta thank my wife for that for pointing that out to me. Um, that's from, uh, just just go on YouTube and look up Orson Welles, uh, like Orson Welles champagne commercial, and it was him trying to trying to trying to do a commercial for this California champagne, and he was so blasted because he had been sitting on set all day drinking the champagne that they're trying to get him to deliver his lines and he's just he's drunk out of his mind and can barely talk and it's it's really hilarious it's one of my wife's my wife's favorite things so your wives how many wives wives? one of my many many wives my wives (laughs) all all of them it's their favorite it smells like stella Stella artois or it's just skunk either or it's skunk either or because nobody drinks french beer all right, um, we were thinking of different Stellas, but carry on. Um, <laughs> uh, are we excited about this? Cheers. We we we. Oh, it tastes like we we. It's pretty thin. No, it's it, it, it's pretty thin. It kind of tastes like Stella. Doesn't yeah. it? Like, if Stella was Bud Light, that's what it tastes like. <laughs> like it, it really does. You know what's funny is uh, Stella, by American standards, is a kind of a nice beer. Yeah, it, yeah. Stella, there, Stella like, Artois over there is their, it's their Bud Light. Yeah, but it is, but it it's advertised here though, like this super like high a, class. Yeah. And the thing is though, if but if Stella's the Bud Light over there, it makes the real Bud Light 
look really bad because Stella actually has a decent flavor to it. Well, you know, whereas Bud Light just tastes like water. I love Bud but Light, but it does had, taste like water. You've had European beers though; they're they're very heavy, they're very sure. flavorful. They're like so it's easy Not in to France. It's apparently. easy. It's easy to see why a beer like Stella would be considered a like a light. Bud Light type yeah. beer over there, you know what I well, mean? For a light beer, I enjoy this flavor though. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. There's, I don't mind there's it. There's something I used to drink when I was a kid that reminded me of something like this. But was um, it was it wee wee? Was it Stella? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't Stella. I don't remember what it was, but it had this flavor of beer to it. Um, like, it was, was like it was a beer. Was blitzed that when you I was eight. <laughs> was it Perrier? That's French. Oh, oh. Perrier wee wee. Well, right. anyway, uh, so yeah, tonight we we're we're drinking this Cronenberg, and we're gonna talk about two. It's not Cronenberg, it's Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I don't know. <laughs> I I can't speak French. Um, two Alexandre Aha movies. We're talking about High Tension from two thousand three, or correct, or haute haute tension, haute tension, or Switchblade <laughs> Romance. If you're in the Netherlands, I think, or if you're listening to an old Atreyu record, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we're also talking about horns from yes. 2013 year of year of no. our Hogwarts. When is it? Uh, 2013. Is I it believe. 2013? Yeah, I believe so. I forgot to look it up. Uh, uh, it so is... it's Maui time. It's 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Art to feet, baby. 2013. All yeah. right. So uh, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Let's get into the bleed, bleed feed. feed. <laughs> All right, so this is your bleed feed for this November 8th. Let's get into it. Um, you like audiobooks, don't you? I do. You're a big fan of audiobooks. I am. Are you a big fan of Tom Holland? Uh, yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. What if you, what if you, are you a big fan of Hellraiser? I am. What if you smashed all three together? Uh, like into my genital region <laughs> or what? <laughs> you say your genital region? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like... Tom Holland and Hellraiser and just smashed them in my genitals. <laughs> oh my god. Sounds like it would hurt, but um so... <laughs> oh, I have such oh, sights to show you. Alright, so earlier this year, um there was a book that was released called Hellraiser The Toll. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by a guy named Mark Allen Miller. And uh what this did, this bridged the gap between um the Hellbound Heart and the Scarlet Gospels, which mm-hmm. are uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser stories, basically. Right. So this mo- this book came out uh, earlier this year, and it basically is it fills the gap between those two different stories in the same universe. Is it read by Tom Holland? Well, um, so the the new version, the audiobook, is being released pretty soon here, and it is being narrated by Tom Holland. He's got a great voice. He does. Yeah. Now, not only is it narrated by Tom Holland, but it has a full cast of voice actors oh, for cool. all of the individual uh, characters, as well as musical accompaniment and score. So it's really, really, really cool. I uh, like. I've listened to a few audiobooks like that where it's almost like a the Bruce, play. The Bruce Campbell book. Yeah, the like Bruce that. Campbell book. Awesome. Um, American Gods was like that. I'm yeah. listening to an X Files one right now that actually has David Duchovny and uh, uh, Jillian Anderson. Jillian Anderson. D- I was D- want to call her Jillian Moore, but I know that's not it's Julian. Moore. Julian Moore and Jillian Anderson. Yeah. I get them mixed up. Um, so uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that's really cool. If you're a big fan of uh, Hellraiser and you want more to the story and you didn't pick this up yet and you like audiobooks, this is a really cool thing for you to pick up. Uh, I actually might pick it up myself. I've actually, I've actually always wanted to read. I've never read 
any original Clive Barker, and I've uh-huh. always wanted to. So like the Scarlet Gospels and the Scar and all that stuff. Like I've always I've always wanted to read them. Mm-hmm. So this is a good good way for me to get into it or force me to at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we have this might take a minute. So we have some more Friday Thirteenth breakdown news. Oh. Uh, as, or as I like to call it, the ch- 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 <laughs> what is going on with Friday the 13th? <laughs> All right, now we're going to take that and we're going to make it something, right? Boom, that was my <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, on the Slash and Cast broadcast, it's like a YouTube channel interview type show, uh-huh. um, uh, Larry Zerner was was on the show. Larry Zerner, of course, who played Shelly in Friday 3. Uh, he's been kind of at the forefront of this, being like the kind of go-to to break down all of this legal mumbo-jumbo for because, us Because layman's. he's an entertainment lawyer. Uh, he's a copyright lawyer. Oh, copyright So lawyer. actually it's even better because oh, yeah. that's what okay. all of this has to do with. Right. Um, so he did an interview that was 25 minutes long. I listened to the entire thing in its entirety today. That's what that means. You listened to a 25-minute interview? Wow, Mike. Whoa. <laughs> that's commitment. I didn't even have to read anything. It was great. <laughs> Um, and I took notes based on what that was. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through basically the headlines of what came out of this. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff that we had questions about with the whole LeBron James thing, the who has rights to what thing. Like, there's a lot of stuff. And this was a really, really good interview yeah. that broke down all of that. Um, so I'm just going to go through this and... This, that's Give us the bullet points. Yeah. Yep. The, thank you. The bullet points. Cliff notes, if Cliff you will. Cliff notes. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, Victor Miller has been a bit villain, uh, vilified throughout this whole process, uh, being the guy that's kind of holding the whole thing up, mm-hmm. when in all fairness, it's not. Um, the way that, that Zerner uh, broke this down makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, Copyright law states that after 35 years, the rights can go back to the original author because if something was not done properly or if something has grown, it gives the original author the opportunity to capitalize on his creation. It's right. basically what it is. Um, uh, Victor Miller sold the original Friday the 13th script, I believe, for $9,200. That's it. Now it's worth multi-millions. Sure. So copyright law is in place so that he can get his fair share of that after 35 years. Mm-hmm. So everything that Victor Miller is doing is fine. Like, it's it's well within his rights to yeah, do it. It's what everybody to, does. Just trying to get his piece of the pie. James Cameron did it with Terminator. He got the rights back. Like, this is a normal thing that happens. The problem is, is that Cunningham sued him for doing it because Cunningham thought he owned it. Yeah. And so, it, and, and it, it really, it really isn't. Two years ago, what should have happened is... Victor Miller should have retained his rights. Cunningham should have then worked with him, made a deal, and they could make more movies. And unfortunately, Cunningham decided to sue him. And so that's why we are in the situation that we're in. Bummer. Um, Yeah, so uh, the the thing about uh, whether or not Cunningham can make sequels that are just adult Jasons and don't, and because Victor Miller has the rights to the original, mm-hmm. can't do it because the copyright owner has the right to make deriv- derivative works from the original works, yeah. including sequels. So now that he owns the rights, he owns the rights to make the sequels as well. Cunningham can't do it without him. Wow. So any future things from Cunningham, not going to happen. Um, let's see here. Um, he would have to. He would literally have to rewrite a brand new story for Adult Jason that didn't include Mrs. Voorhees, didn't include the camp counselors, didn't include him drowning. Anything. You're the not going to Cunningham. Yeah, would have he to, would. Yeah. He would have to. Yeah. Uh, and that's not even to say that he has the rights to Adult Jason because the courts didn't actually say anything about that. Right. They basically said that this that's a separate case. We're not going to talk on it. So that could be a whole different thing. Yeah. Um. 
so moving on from that, uh, names. I did not know this. Names are not protected by copyright. So Jason Voorhees, they can technically use in other movies. It's not it's not protected by copyright laws. If names aren't protected by does that mean anybody could use the name Jason Voorhees yeah, if they wanted in, to? In theory. Really? Yeah. Wow. In theory, yes, you can. It seems weird. Re- super weird. But you how are you going to be able to use it without having the story? That's that's where it comes into play and it doesn't really make any sense. Uh also, um, neither Victor Miller nor Sean Cunningham own the rights to the name Friday the 13th. Uh, New Line Cinema owns oh. that name. Now, New Line, who is actually working with Victor Miller right now, mm-hmm. are they want to make a new movie. So they're going to do whatever it's going to take. Right. Uh, on the heels of that, even though the remake with LeBron James's company is in talks, Victor Miller still can't make a movie because he only owns the, U- the U.S. rights. Mm-hmm. They have to make a deal with Cunningham for worldwide rights. They're not going to make a movie. New Line is not going to move forward on a movie that can only be released in the U.S. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. So all this talk about LeBron James's company and um, uh, the company that did it, uh, what's it called? Uh, Vertigo. I think it was Vertigo Entertainment. It, it's all, nothing can happen until they make a deal with Sean Cunningham. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. so uh, everything that we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, it's just bullshit. Because nothing's happened yet. Everything's just at a standstill, that's a, basically. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and the last thing here is that uh, Sean Cunningham only filed a notice of appeal. He did not actually file an appeal. Mm. So Zerner seems to think that within the next 30 days, you're going to hear that they struck a deal. That's what he thinks. So you, you think it, that was just Because it's really a... stupid to not capitalize on this hot slasher stuff that's going on so right now. So his, his notice of appeal, does he think that it was just kind of a, a move to try and... Get like it puts to, to, pressure. It puts yeah, pressure, put pressure on Victor on Miller, Victor basically Miller. saying we're coming with this, but they don't have to. Right. They're just basically saying that we're thinking about doing it. Right. Um. So that's kind of where. And Victor Miller knows that if the the appeal actually comes, another two or three years are going to go by where nothing happens. So yeah. he's not going to want to do that. So he, his best sure. bet would be to sure. strike some kind of deal. Sure. So hopefully that's what happens. But uh, hopefully that what I just kind of bullet pointed there helps with some of the stuff that people have questions about. I know yeah. it did for me. Um, but if you want to hear... Um, where, the, where can people yeah, find the Yeah, if you want to hear the whole interview, go to um, Slash and Cast. They're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just look them up or whatever. You can find it on there. Right on. I believe it's linked on uh, Bloody Disgusting as well. Cool. So um, speaking of Friday the 13th, um, while we're in this whole Friday the 13th limbo, mm-hmm. fan films have been a really good way to capitalize on, uh, on the love of the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never Hike Alone was a absolutely fantastic fan film awesome it was awesome that should be canon even though it's not right um on the heels of that we now have friday the 13th vengeance which will be a sequel to jason lives and it will be starring cj graham as jason cool really fucking cool yeah uh in it the story begins with elias Voorhees. Ah. Jason's father returning to Crystal Lake uh, in a string of grisly murders that soon follows his arrival. After hearing news of the most recent killings, Tommy Jarvis then goes missing, which leaves it up to his daughter Angela Jarvis to rise to the challenge of not only finding her father, but also finding a way to destroy his old nemesis, Jason Voorhees, in the process. Armed with knowledge that never previously known about Jason, Angelica may prove that uh, to be his greatest threat yet, which culminates in an epic showdown of Jarvis versus Voorhees. Nice. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If people just want to keep churning out these these fan films, 
well, this whole thing's in limbo, that's totally fine with me. I have a theory how this is going to go because not canon and they can do anything. Mm-hmm. Turns out Jason is actually another sibling of the Jarvis family and he'll be fourth known as Jarhees. <laughs> Jason Jarhees. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, uh, that's, that's my, uh, yeah. Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> what? Ew. Gross. Um, Okay, a couple quick things here. Rick Grimes died on The Walking Dead. Or did he? No. Because apparently AMC is making three movies starring Rick Grimes' character. Oh my gosh, stop. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you said. I, I, I can't say it any <laughs> like, better. We don't Just watch the stop. show, but I've I've heard enough like diehard fans of the show who are kind of over it at this point. Make one if you want to bridge the gap, because I guess The Walking Dead jumped ahead six years. Oh, it did? Yeah, so apparently after the last episode where Rick Grimes quote-unquote died, or mm. if he didn't die, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, the next episode jumps forward six years. Okay. So those movies, my guess, are going to tell what happened within those six years. Oh, Just yeah. Just make fucking one movie. Why do you need three? Well, I mean, make one and see how it goes, you know? Don't commit well, to yeah, three if, movies. If, like... one, if they make one, it doesn't perform, I guarantee you three is not going to happen. Right, yeah. But that's no. just me. Um, this is exciting. Uh, Fede Alvarez has completed a script for Don't Breathe 2. Oh, nice. Very exciting. Uh, he uh, Once he's done with all of his... Um, uh, he did the new uh, girl who kicked a hornet's spider's web uh what's it what's it called girl who kicked a hornet's nest no is that the, is that what's coming out or girl who played with fire that, i don't know the one? i don't know is where they're in, at in the in the in the process of we those. should know this this would be a correction well, for next those week. are they're remakes of the originals right yeah i don't know oh, how yeah, many yeah. remakes they've done yet well so. regardless of which there's a new one coming out that right. Freddie alvarez directed so once he's done with that he said that he wants to work really hard to bring the sequel to life no guarantees that he will direct but he will likely produce if not direct. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, we're getting a sequel to the original Night of the Living Dead. Okay. That's weird because there already is one. It's called Dawn of the Dead. Well, are they, so are they doing like a soft reboot? No. Um, so apparently, what? well, maybe. Apparently, uh, when we've been talking a lot about how the Romero estate is kind of coming up with all these unused scripts. Yeah. Well, apparently, unknown to most, um, this is from Blade Disgusting, unknown to most that in the 1970s, the original writers and producers of Night of the Living Dead penned a sequel to their masterpiece. Huh. Uh, a sequel that inexplicably has gone unproduced for over 40 years. Uh, now, Living Dead Media has brushed away the dirt, and this amazing follow-up to the classic will be brought together... Um, I'm sorry, uh, they're making a follow-up to the classic and brought together a great team to produce a new film. Cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're getting a new Romero of the Dead movie that is sort of like a sequel. I'm assuming it's going to take place between Night and Dawn. It probably doesn't connect to Dawn, is my guess. Yeah. But... You wouldn't even have to do a soft reboot of the series because there's so much going on within that within None of them that really world attached to each other other than the fact that they're zombies. It's not like Halloween where there's one central character. It's like... It's a whole national pandemic, so exactly, they exactly. can really take it anywhere. Yeah, they're and all it doesn't different necessarily stories. have to be a reboot. It's yeah. just a different story taking place in a different place. Exactly. Yeah, they're all so. different stories of things that are happening. You know, it'd be like if you made <clears throat> not to get dark here, but it's like if you made a, a series of movies about different families dealing in different ways about like after nine eleven or something like that. You know, it's the same tragedy. Right. And but, just it's, but it's just different people, people. around yeah. there. So yeah. So it's I guess maybe it's not really a reboot. It's a soft sequel. Sure. Or just a sequel. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The soft. The, 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 the soft sequel. I tried one of those ones. And it just <laughs> oh. Didn't go over well. Oh, oh really? <laughs> I feel bad for your wife. All right. Um, <laughs> my next bit of news. I'm pretty sure that you have. So James, tell me. What is new on blue? Well, baby. Well, baby. Uh, <laughs> 
I love that you still call me baby. It's really nice. Just brightens up my day. Uh, Michael and I, we've been lucky enough to see the John this Carpenter. This was the news that I wasn't going to do. John Carpenter. We've seen him live twice, twice. now. And it was amazing yeah. both times. We got to talk to our buddy Vito because he just went to see him on Halloween. We got mm-hmm. to see how that was. Uh, actually, we have Vito on the line right now. Oh, that's convenient. Oh, we do. I know, right? <laughs> It didn't take like 20 minutes, I swear to God. <laughs> through, the power, <laughs> through the power of editing. <laughs> uh, hey, Vito, how are you? Hey, hey! I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. All the way from luxurious, on-fire Los Angeles, right? <laughs> That's right. Does it just smell awesome all the time, like, uh, like a bonfire? Uh, you know... <laughs> It does, and I, and I like it. <laughs> All right, so you saw John Carpenter live for the first time on Halloween night. Yes. Uh, tell me, was it as sexual as it was when we saw him? Uh, well, I don't know how sexual it was for you, but it was it was one of my best sexual encounters. <laughs> um, I literally having John Carpenter wish you happy Halloween like that. That just made my life. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, but yeah, no, it was really cool, and he even played uh, songs from the new Halloween movie, which well. I'm, oh, which I'm super yeah, jealous because awesome. the, that new Halloween score is so amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he played. You saw the movie, right, Mike? Yep. Did he play the track? Uh, the track from the score where they're in the. Uh, the The bathroom. He's not going to know what you're talking. Yes, about? Yeah, I, he has to. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think i do and uh, he he played i think it was just the main score oh okay so the from, main yeah the main redo then okay yeah but you know you. how he plays like the movie behind him on the screens and stuff yeah i was surprised at how much they showed of the new movie because they didn't give like spoilers or anything but it was like more than the trailers i think it's i think it's fair to say if you're going to see john carpenter live you probably saw the new Halloween yeah, movie. yeah probably you know I, I think that's a that's a, a fair thing to say did they do did uh i, I mean because we've seen him twice so we kind of know the format uh that he used when he was out when we saw him did they do anything special because it was on halloween uh not really i mean i'm sure he played some songs from his albums as well yeah he did i saw him yeah, yeah so he did, he did that uh other than the new Halloween movie, not really. The only thing really cool was everyone was in costumes, so there were tons of Snake Pliskins and, well, really just all Kurt Russell characters. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was a celebrity in the house, wasn't there? Yes, there was. And that celebrity was... <laughs> That's what you want to tell us about it? <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, by the way, we have a celebrity in our midst. Uh, Michael Myers is here. Nick Castle, stand up! And oh, he was no up shit. in the in the uh, you know balcony, and yeah, Nick Castle was there just watching the show. He couldn't, he couldn't even get prime seating. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you go up there with the rest of the peasants. <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool too. Yeah, so so John Carpenter, like when we saw him, like one of the things that always cracks me up about him is that he's such a nerdy old man. Like when he talks, like he thinks he's up there. Like and it's not that he thinks he is. He when he's up there, he's like commanding the crowd and he's doing his thing. Oh, yeah. But he comes off so cheesy sometimes. <laughs> Did he have any of those moments with you? Oh, absolutely. Like, he does the old man dance. Like, (laughs) you know, he pumps his fist in the air, like, just pretty slowly, you know? (laughs) Like, uh, for uh, They Live, he took off his glasses and put They Live glasses on, and then did, like, a head bob. 
with some stuff. Nice, yeah. nice. So my uh, favorite part, my favorite part, because he the last uh, before the last song, he's like, "Hey, I just want to let everyone know, you know, um, please be safe out there driving home. Please be safe driving home." Because Christine is out there. That's the same thing he said when we saw him, too. <laughs> so, Mike, it was He's good just, to talk to you, man. Yep, thanks, guys. We'll, see you. we'll see you in a couple months. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Right, so we, that, ju- we just made history. It was our first... Uh, we did. It was our first on-the-air on, on uh, interview. Yes. We worked it out. Vito. I feel you're, like it was... You're, you're part of Buzzkill lore. <laughs> How does that make you feel? So, anyway, <laughs> to go back to what I was saying, uh, not like I have... Well, actually, I do still have to say this. Uh, so, if you weren't lucky enough to go see him uh, on either of his tours, and if he doesn't tour again, the London and Chicago stops on the 2016 tour were both professionally professionally filmed and now they're available on blu-ray through revolver merchandise yep. for just 19 american dollars i am i plan on picking one up and 99 american cents which is well worth it to see yeah. his famous old man and dance moves not everybody was was fortunate enough to see him right uh, i i listen, i consider us so incredibly lucky that we've seen him twice yeah it was awesome um, but yeah, like pick this up. If you've not seen yeah, him, pick uh, this up. It yeah, is so worth yeah, it. Yep, nineteen ninety nine. You can grab it uh, at revolvermerchandise dot shop. Next up, have you ever seen the movie Ratatouille? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, uh, then you know it's a heartwarming tale of a man who sorted down on his luck and he makes friends with a bunch of cuddly little rats, and together he and his bloodthirsty little companions go on a murderous rampage. Right. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. They also, oh, they oh, also wait, make no. stew. No, 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 no. Sorry, that's Willard. <laughs> I've never, I've never really realized how similar these two films are. It's just one is an animated family feature, and about one cooking, and one is Crispin Glover <laughs> making rats kill people. It's they're essentially the same movie. Wait, though. that's not the same movie. Rats. Rats. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Willard starring. The uh, eerily age-defying Crispin Glover uh, is coming home on Blu-ray February 2nd. Extras and specs will be announced soon. Uh, The Orion Classics post-apocalyptic thriller The Domestics has been available on VOD for a few months now. But now it is coming to Blu-ray courtesy of Cynodyne. The Domestics stars Kate Bosworth and Taylor Hoechlin as a couple traveling across the country in search of safety and protection from the deadly gangs that roam the badlands of the post-apocalyptic world. That will be hitting shelves on November 20th. Very cool. Uh, 1943's Return of the Vampire, starring Bela Lugosi, will be hitting Blu-ray on February 19th, thanks to Scream Factory. Very good flick. Extras for that are still in progress and will be released at a later date. Uh, Next up... After all the setbacks and date changes for the release, it looks like Scream Factory's Blu-ray release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation will finally be hitting shelves on December 11th. This Ultimate Collector's Edition will feature two cuts of the film. Uh, It will feature the theatrical in HD and the director's cut, which is HD with standard def inserts, uh, as well as new audio commentaries and interviews. Yeah, I'm I'm actually very excited about that. The The commentaries is by the director. So you get a director's commentary. Right. I believe it's an interview with the Leatherface production designer, okay. which is really cool mm-hmm. to see what they say about it. And there's an interview with somebody else. But like, I'm actually really, really, really excited for this one because this is such a clusterfuck of a movie. Yeah. I just need to know what people are saying about and, it. Like, and I need like this this many and years And a clusterfuck after. of a release. It, it's, yeah. o- it's only yeah. fitting that the release has been such a shit show because yeah. the movie is such a shit show. All I know is that I hope that my Christmas is cross-dressed. You hope that what? 
because Leatherface in this one is kind of a crossdresser. <laughs> uh, your Christmas though? Is it, I you want say... it for Christmas. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Just putting that out there to the world. They buy this for me for Christmas. Okay, that's all. Well, actually, speaking of Chris, <laughs> Christmas, J. Raj, if you're looking for something to get Mike for Christmas, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Well, Go USA has you covered. What you got for me? The ultimate edition of Don Coscarelli's 1979 classic Phantasm hit shelves last Tuesday. It boasts a beautiful HD restoration, and here's the best part. Here's why this will make an absolutely perfect gift for young Michael over here. This beautiful HD transfer not only comes with brand new audio commentary by writer and director Don Coscarelli, co-producer Paul Pepperman, and visual consultant Roberto Quesada, but it also comes... The only way that a release a release this prestigious ever should come. Oh. In oh. stunning oh. steelbook oh. packaging. There it is. And you know how there much Mike loves a steelbook packaging. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. As good as that sounds, I was going to ask Jay for a couple new pairs of, you know, Banana thongs? <laughs> Banana hammocks? <laughs> that is so interesting you said that because for months I've had on my mind the Mr. Nose. Yes! <laughs> the Mr. Nose. What yeah, is that? you get the, elephant. the elephant thing. Yeah. <laughs> or, the, or the Kilroy was here uh, <laughs> banana hammock. <laughs> Do they make those? They should. Oh my gosh. You'd have to paint your dick white first though. I don't care. Like even whiter than it already is. Right now it's sort of a pinkish hue. But... uh <laughs> Except for the tip. Tip's, bl- <laughs> tip's black just for some reason. Black. What the hell? I think, I, I think it's dead. I got a quit. <laughs> it's, it's from the frostbite that he got as a Boy Scout. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. All are right. You, are uh, you done? No, last and certainly not least, a film that we talked about last week during our Top 10 Twists episode. Uh, a deluxe edition legacy collection of Psycho will be hitting the German market on January 31st, so it's not really... Big news for us, but if you are listening to this in Germany, Ooh. we uh, we do strongly suggest that you go out and pick this one up, because you will not regret it. Is it the size? <laughs> <laughs> the collection will come with the fully uncut version of Hitchcock's original film, which has never been released on home video, and it will also feature See, all three sequels, the 1998 remake, and the original TV movie, Bates Motel. I read this differently than I think you just said it. Why? And I only, I'm only saying this to clarify. Is this a this is a German release? You said German. I believe this is the first time it's been uncut in Germany. Nope. It's never uh, the the uncut version has never been released anywhere. Okay. You can find it on YouTube. You can find those deleted scenes on really? YouTube, but you it's, they've never they've never done a fully uncut version of Alfred Hitchcock's okay. original. At okay. least that's what. That's I will, what I read. I will believe you until corrections next week. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's all I got for blues. Go My ahead. last bit of music. Uh, music. Yeah. New, music. Sure. Do, 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 do. Okay. My last bit of news now is <laughs> the Satanic Temple is suing Netflix mm. in... Right? <laughs> right? Wait, somebody's suing somebody else? Right? Okay, that so the Satanic Temple is suing Netflix for use of its uh, Statue of the Baphomet, uh, uh, their Dark Lord, for $50 million for uh, for basically them <clears throat> using it in the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Now, I have watched it, like we said at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. I have watched it. Uh, it is the exact statue. It it's is, not. It's oh, yeah, not that it's, it's like a, it, It's the same thing. But can you really? Can you? Can you have uh, like? 
uh, what would it be, copyright or trademark or whatever the hell? Can you have yes. that on a statue? Well, well, yes, because the the church, which I believe is in Massachusetts, it's the Satanic Temple. Yeah. Uh, they copyright it. They, it is a copywritten deity, basically. I know that sounds How do weird. You copyright a deity? That doesn't uh, make any sense. They did, that, and according to them, the, according to them, uh, the Satanic Temple feels uh, that it misappropriates their imagery, using it to represent evil deeds that do not reflect their values. They say that the prominent use of the symbol as a, as a central focal point of the school associated with evil, cannibalism, and murder blurs and tarnishes the, the Satanic Temple Baphomet with children as a mark of the Satanic Temple. Now, from the little bit that I do know about the Satanic uh, faith. Mm -hmm. um, it is not about evil and devil worship and all of that. It is weird that Baphomet has like a goat face and horns. and it's, I, I, it, The imagery... When I've they, always thought their imagery doesn't reflect their beliefs. When they revealed that statue in Detroit, because yep. they did in Detroit, yep. I had a huge discussion, actually I think with you, on Facebook about it because... What are you showing me? Remember this guy? statue be unveiled for all the world to see. I'm just excited to see my lord and savior Baphomet represented in such <laughs> glorious Italian stone. I do hope his eyes gaze upon me and that my allegiance is recognized. I don't know. Notice me, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I was literally so just, just looking that up as you were, uh, as thank, you were talking about Thank it. you, Onyx, for the, uh, for the drop. <laughs> Notice me, Santa. Um, <laughs> Notice me. <laughs> Um, the thing um, about the thing about no, the when temple, they though. when they when they revealed the the, the 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 that statue in Detroit, I think you and I had a big discussion yeah, about it on Facebook did. in somebody else's thread. Of course, and I and I said I, I said this it all kind of seems like bullshit to me because the whole idea behind actual Satanism, like the <laughs> Anton believe the, in oneself, the Anton Levey version of uh, of Satanism, is you're not supposed to have. There's no, there's not supposed to be any physical representation of, uh, like, there's not supposed to be idolatry or anything like that because it's the worship of oneself. Yeah, I think and the idea it, though, I think the whole thing is for fucking shock value having the Baphomet statue, and well, I thought it was bullshit. I, I understand there, I, I do understand though them suing it though only because the, the statue of Baphomet, as I take it, is it's a symbol of what they believe in, not an idol. Like Baphomet, you know, or, or Satan or whoever, like the fallen angel, believed in himself over a god. Mm. They believed in that that you are your own personal god. That's basically what they believe in. That's what the Church of Satan actually believes in. It's not about devil worship. It's not pagan or anything like that. Like a lot of people, I'm not like advocating it, but that's a lot of people don't know what it is. Yeah, they hear yeah. the Church of Satan and they think devil worship and that it's, it's just not what yeah, it is. Yeah, the satanic church, it's not Luciferian. No, it's not. It's not. They don't worship Lucifer. No. So when you drive by like on their marquee, they got like Sunday worship services at noon and six. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, right. <laughs> come, um, come, come worship thyself. I think the idea though, the that Baphomet represents um, somebody to to uh, model your life after because that's what he did it's not so much that it's an idol it's just like a thing to look to to get that's what an idol is I, 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 fine it's it's, it's also, a thin line i, also I just, it's a very very thin line also just to me when you read the tenets of of uh the satanic church the idea of them suing for 50 million dollars just seems like it goes against yeah, all of that. I don't know. I don't know where they got that number from, but I will say this though: having watched the show, that mm -hmm. does basically paint people that believe in Satan and the Dark Lord and all that stuff. Like it does, it does paint it as a very evil, murderous 
cannibalistic. Like it, it, it does put it in a very bad light. So okay, if well, I put I'm, myself in the shoes though of somebody from that church that does not want to be known for those things because that's not what they believe in, mm-hmm. I can one hundred and ten percent understand though them using their symbol because when people see that, that's all they're going to 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 recognize it as. And I get that. I really, really do get that. I think they have legitimate grounds to stand on. And if this is a legit thing, I think they'll win. Yeah, I really do. Just I I don't know. Just seems whiny to me. There's a uh, there's like a local. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna sue anybody who ever did a blonde joke because I'm blonde and I take offense to the fact that you think that I'm automatically stupid because I'm blonde. That's what it seems like to me. Sorry, go but, ahead. I would say you should you reach are. out to the uh, the local uh, <laughs> Satanic Church. There's one in Roseville. Let's do another on phone interview with one of the people from the Satanic <laughs> Church. That would be perfect. I'm into it next week. Yeah, we're doing all right, it. Cool. Yeah, there's a Roseville, and I don't know where it's at. I've heard about it for many years, and I've tried to I've tried to research it to find out a little bit just where it's located because I I want to know where the Satanic Church is at. It's probably in that building across the street from your house that always has all the weird sounds coming from. <laughs> probably. That's not actually a stamping plant. It's a bunch just satanic people just jumping up and down for some reason. <laughs> I am great. I am great. I am great. Oh boy. Anyway, that is your news for this week. Uh, we're a little overtime here, but that's your news. Boom! That was the news. Yeah. All right, and we'll wrap it up with a little stupid fact of the day. Hit what me. do you got? The average person spends about six months of their lifetime sitting at red lights. Really? Yeah. That's it. I actually would kind of think that it's more. Really? Yeah. Six months is a long time. Is it though? Also, if you the drive, last six months also, flew by. <laughs> also, if you drive like me, like we live in an area where, like, take Mound Road for instance. I know the I know that you have to drive fifty two miles per hour down Mound Road to hit every single green light. The only bad thing about Mound Road <laughs> Mound Road now is if you drive fifty two miles per hour down it, you will blow out all four of your tires. <laughs> in Van Dyke, you have to do the speed limit down Van Dyke to catch to not catch the lights and not get there too early. See, so we have ways of missing the red light. So it makes mm, sense so that, that it's only six yeah. months. You also play a lot of red light, green light with your daughter. I'm assuming so you probably spend even more time at red lights. That is that is a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, here's the deal. Um, we're here to talk about French things, and so that's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to drink even more French beer and maybe give ourselves some French ticklers. And then when we're back, we'll tell you about it, and uh, then we'll talk about Alexandra Aha. And then hopefully by the end of the show, you'll pardon our French. Ah, the French. Throughout this dulcy, faces ripped apart with hooks. A man slashing himself into a bloody pulp. And graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. We're back, and we're talking the French. <laughs> we're so offensive, <laughs> right? Listen, listen. I learned all the French that I know from uh, one French ambassador. Who that? Pepe Lapu. <laughs> I I learned all of the French I know from one Muzzy commercial. Yes. Je suis la Sophie. Yes, that's French they're speaking. But these children aren't French. They're American. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? And I'm pretty sure what I just said is I am a little girl. <laughs> I'll have to ask my wife because she kind of speaks French. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the first movie we're talking about is from 2003. It's called High Tension. Or Haute Tension. Haute Tension. Or, or yeah. Switchblade Romance. It's about 
Best friends Marie and Alexia, who decide to spend a quiet weekend at Alexia's parents' secluded farmhouse, but on the night of their arrival, the girl's idyllic getaway turns into an endless night of horror. It does. It really does. I mean, the night's not endless because it ends eventually. Mm-hmm. But it is a night of horror still. So, okay, I was looking forward to rewatching this film because I always had a big problem with this film. Uh-oh. We talked about this before. Oh, yeah. Um, this film never made sense to me. I, I always thought that the the idea of what it is, and again, we talked about this actually last week because we talked about this in our uh, top ten countdown. Major spoilers. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't seen the movie and you haven't seen, and you don't know the spoiler, stop now because we're gonna stop. give it away. Yeah. But as always, and if you listen to our show, you should know that by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We give away I mean, all the spoilers. It's 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 still good to give give the give the warning. Give, give the warning. Um, I the, the twist in this movie never made sense to me because when you look back at the rest of the film, um, there are certain things that they do that to me just didn't make sense. Okay. Now. Rewatching the film, uh, I would say that about 75% of those issues that I had, I really paid attention to it this time. Mm-hmm. And I actually did in my head made sense of them and, and I understood how they fit. Okay. There's still a couple things that are weird and we'll get into that. Okay. But um, but yeah, anyway. Right. This is a film that we both love. Yeah. Don't, don't, oh, yeah. Don't, don't take what I'm saying as I don't like it. I no. do love the film. Yeah, like, great I'm, movie. Yeah. Um, and, and very... Very tense, as as the uh, the tense is high. The tense, the tension is high in this movie, as the <laughs> as the title would tell you. And and hot, hot. It's very hot. <laughs> um, so you have Marie played by Cécile de de France. Oh, it's very on the nose. It's very French. <laughs> uh, Alexia played by May Wen, which mm-hmm. is that's always a bold move, right? To just go by one name, like it's Madonna. Like, it's like Lady. Cher. It's like Lady Gaga. Oh, the Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> um, Latour, which is French for the killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak French. Uh, played by, by the f- way, I know that Lady Gaga is two words. I'm just putting that out there. It's not one name. Lady Gaga. It's a Lady Gaga. Uh, Latour is played by Philippe Nahon. Yeah. Uh, so uh, La- that's pretty much. Yeah. That's I'm, I, like there's parents and a child involved, but you. Yeah, you, they don't matter. Yeah, they're they're fodder. They, basically, they, they die in spectacular ways. They really do. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Uh, it, much in line with a lot of other French horror movies, this this movie is pretty gruesome. It is. So uh, if you're, it's, you know what though, it's selectively gruesome. I will say this, Alexandre Aha, because that this is what we're talking about is right. his director spotlight, and it's his uh, it's his style that he puts into movies, which is why we like them. Mm-hmm. I will say this, uh, as opposed to a lot of other French horror movies like Martyrs, you know, or a lot Frontiers, of those Frontiers, like, Frontiers, uh, like, Inside. I will say this. Um, High tension is tastefully brutal, whereas it's not all the time. There's a lot of tension, no pun intended, yeah. uh, between the brutalness. And there's a lot of other French, like French horror is known for its brutality. Just being very extreme, yeah. And it's extreme. And it's, um, I think that this actually does, it walks that line really well. Yeah. From having that ex, that French extremism, but also being able to tell a really good story. Right. And having And having lulls between, which you kind of need to catch your breath. You Absolutely. Know? Like it, yeah. it makes, if, if it's too much of an onslaught of, of extreme brutality, to me, it just becomes like old hat really quick. Yeah. And you just don't want to watch the rest of it. Right. Having those breaths of, of air between the, the those really intense scenes ex- really, really helps. And I think Alexandra Aha is really, really, really good at doing that. You I know, agree. Of, yeah. of balancing those, you know, principles of, of that art of filmmaking. Right. 
Um, so, so, so basically, just a quick rundown of the story here. You have these two girls. Yep. They're traveling to uh, um, Alexia's country farm home. They're going. They're going to study for the weekend. They just want a nice, quiet place to go to. Once they get there, there's uh, just a few goings on. You know, like a like a meeting the family. Yeah. Just master, masturbating before bed. Just typical stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, typical. That, typical. It's very typical. It is very, very typical. <laughs> um, and then it just kind of goes from zero to 100 real quick. Well, not zero. Maybe are, 30. Are you still talking about the masturbating? <laughs> <laughs> from, from zero to 100? <laughs> it goes from like it's, 30. It it's go- so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it goes from like 30 to 100 pretty quickly because there's a... Her nibbles must be miserable. <laughs> it's it's late night and there's a there's a there's there's a uh, ring at the door, mm-hmm. and Dad goes to check it out, and uh, and Marie is still awake because she just got done flicking the bean, mm-hmm. and so she. <laughs> we could have drank bean flicker. Damn it! We could have drank bean flicker. <laughs> Fuck! You dumb bastard. <laughs> no, this is still good though. I like this. Um, we'll so, have to do a couple lesbian films. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So she looks out the window and and she sees uh, kind of the beginning of what leads to all this carnage, which is there's a ring at the door. Dad goes to check to see who it is. Mm-hmm. Some dude in a jumpsuit at the door. And then all of a sudden you just see him raise his arm and whoosh, come yep. down. Dad's been slashed across the face with a straight edge razor, and that's how this all what kicks a badass off. weapon, too, the straight edge. I've always liked the straight edge. It's pretty. I don't know if I like it for a main weapon, but it's always good to see it used at least once in a movie. It's really interesting as a main weapon because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't offer a ton of protection. I mean, unless you're a giant dude like oh what ah oh, damn it, <laughs> I was doing so well too. The giant was real small. Giant. <laughs> uh, unless you're a giant dude like Latour, yeah. which in that case you. Having any size blade in your hand is going to do. Where does do the you name just... Latour come from, by the way? Latour means the killer. Oh, does in it? In French, like oh. I already said five minutes ago. If you'd pay attention to me, I don't ever pay bastard. attention to you. Um, but that's not all he uses to kill people. Uh, one of the first kills in this, actually, the well, first well, kill in this before movie. Before we get into the kill, yeah, Let's finish finish the synopsis. Okay, Let's so get that out of the way. So she she witnesses this murder. And now she's freaking out. Uh, Latour comes into the house and he's hunting the rest of the family. And she yeah. realizes she's not part of the family. So there's a good chance that he doesn't know, know that, that she's, she's there. there. Yeah. And so she kind of covers her tracks really quick. And I did get one thing wrong. This is one of the corrections that I talked about last week that I just remembered. that mm-hmm. I, I said that she dabs the under part of the faucet no, to... He does. Right. She she uh, towels out the yep. faucet to or towels out the sink to make it look like nobody has used the sink, but then he dabs his finger underneath the faucet. When I was watching this, I had that in my head, and right. I go, "Oh, I'm waiting for her to do it." I'm like, "Oh, she doesn't do it." So Ooh. sorry, that wasn't an actual correction. We probably probably should have done. Stupid! Stupid! So stupid! <laughs> but uh, so she kind of covers her tracks, and then he ends up, you know, he's looking for people in the house and doesn't find her. So now she's just kind of bearing witness to what's going on in the house which is the the slaughter of the rest of the family yeah aside from alexia her friend uh who ends up bound and gagged and you don't really know what latour's uh motives are with her what he's going to do but he's hunting down the rest of the family for whatever reason yeah the reason i really like the beginning of this movie is because it's it's seemingly 
there is no reason for him to be there doing this stuff. Like it just, he's a completely random stranger who just shows up and starts dishing out all this carnage. You know what the beginning of this movie makes him want to do? Hmm. It makes him want to intercut this movie with Halloween. Why? Because this, the killer in this case is literally the Michael Myers type. Yeah, it is. It just shows up and kills people Mm -hmm. for no apparent reason in a house. Now the original screenplay if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was reading the original screenplay took place all in the house. Uh, that was like, the original idea for it, but then Alexandra Aha, for some reason, thought they needed to go outside of it and this and that. I would have much preferred this movie if it all took place in the house. Um, and, and I think the twist would have been better served if it was all in the house. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but I do actually. Some of the some of the scenes that take place outside of the house are really good. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, especially one of the like when they get to the greenhouse. It's yeah. just such a random, so, weird, weird setting for something like this to go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So, so the killer basically uh, he ends up kidnapping Marie, who is the uh, uh, Alexia. Or no, uh, no. Yeah, Marie is. I'm the, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, Alexia, who is the the daughter of the the of the house, basically, right. uh, and uh, puts her in the back of his truck, and he takes her away, and Alec and Marie follows her, and they stop at like this uh, gas station, mm-hmm. which is a huge building apparently. Well, it's probably like a truck stop, but it looks you know, huge you... though because she eventually like gets out. Um, um, Marie eventually gets out and goes in and then she goes like downstairs and there's corridors it's a huge place i mean you've been to like you've been to proper truck stops before though they're, they, they're massive you know what i mean like it's listen i've never gone to the back at a proper truck stop i don't yes, know what you do yes, back you there have. i have not been you ever back taken there. a shower at a truck stop no i have why because i was out on tour and oh, i needed to take fair. a shower it's been like fair. five days since i'd taken a shower when and i was like at, when i was on tour we were we just didn't shower I said I hadn't showered in five days. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to take a shower somewhere. Um, so anyway, uh, it, yeah, and then it all kind of culminates when uh, she ends up eluding him, mm-hmm. and then he gets gas and takes off, and she takes a car, she follows them, yep. and then there's a confrontation in this weird greenhouse in the middle of nowhere, and then it kind of continues from there. Now That's um, the gist of the movie. Yeah. Now, now we, we can't talk about a lot of what we're going to talk about without giving away the spoiler. The spoiler is... Spoiler, 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 spoiler. That was my... Well, let's talk about the kills and stuff first before we get to the spoiler. You're, you're going you're gonna to disregard my sweet segue there? That was really cool, Michael. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> spoiler. Okay, all right. Uh, let's talk about the kills before we get to the spoiler. Okay. All, all right. right, fair. So... Uh, the, ver- the first kill. You, you have to talk about the first kill. Well, you got to talk about all the kills. There's really only a few, so let's talk about them. Let's talk about Let's it. talk about it. <laughs> um, the first kill I love. It's so... I don't think it would work, but it worked in the movie. It was really cool. It's it's a weird kill in the movie for a very specific reason. Um, so the kill is... Uh, the dude... Uh, uh, Latour. Latour. Latour puts the dad's head through the banister basically of the staircase right so he can't get his head out uh-huh. and then he gets this giant like ward not it's not a wardrobe it's, it's a, a credenza a, chest, a credenza credenza as it, my mother would call but it but it's a really tall credenza like it's yeah. a chest and he basically pushes it like horizontally to the staircase and basically hits the dude's head and it pops off and it's a bloody mess he decapitates <laughs> him through the yeah. Yeah. Now the way the way that I remembered it before I had re- rewatched it, I remembered it as being like a clean beheading. 
but it's really not. It's no. it's like it smashes his head so badly that the, the head just kind of falls apart. Yeah. Like it explodes. And what kills really me cool. about it and what also adds to kind of what I love about it is that there's a little bit of a stutter right when the chest hits the dude's head and there's a cut. Uh, there's a cut in the film mm-hmm. because it goes from real life to, to the fake head. To, to the fake head, and there's like a little bit of a stutter in the film. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. But the reason I think that it worked is because if you were, no matter how hard you were pushing this giant thing at a person's head, there would be a moment of resistance where the head didn't explode. There would be, but it's a too. It's almost it's too big of resistance yeah. though to make sense. So it's like know. you you totally understand that they're switching from there being a real guy there to a fake prosthetic head. Yeah. And the the eighties the eighties like slasher film killer lover in me, mm-hmm. like I look at that and I go, oh, that kind of took me out of it. But in the same breath, I kind of love the fact yeah, it that t- it's practical effects like really it's, take and they're me out doing of- something. Well, in this movie, probably wasn't originally in HD, so uh, uh, so in standard definition, it probably looked a little smoother. Yeah, maybe it's all timing though. Yeah. You know, timing didn't blur necessarily. It was still a cool kill regardless. Oh, no, it was great. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. I've never seen anything like it, quite frankly. No. Uh, and it's, That's what it's I said. It was a very kind of unique yeah. kill. Um, so next up, Mom. Mom's about to be off. She kind of just gets uh, slashed at first. He slashes yep. her up a little bit and then just leaves her. Like, just lets her roam around the house for a few minutes. Did you notice is... the Halloween connection in this? The slatted closet? Yep. Yeah. It reminded me of Halloween 100%. It has to be an ode to it. It has to be. There were actually, I was actually reading there were quite a few uh, parts in this movie that paid paid homage to different horror movies. Yeah. Did you read any of those? Uh, No. I'll have to look them up again, but... uh, um, but yeah, definitely there, there's a part where Marie kind of sneaks into this room trying to find a phone to call the cops. And that's when the mother comes in and, uh, is followed soon by Latour. But Marie goes and hides in a closet with the, uh, the wooden slats very, very much in the way that Jamie Lee Curtis does in, in Halloween. Yeah. And I actually, man, I, I love that scene. Like one moment in particular is kind of chilling. And also kind of confusing because when you think about who the the twist, like if you think about the twist, the, what you see on screen is not actually what's happening. So it kind of it is con- it's confusing <clears throat> at first. Once you see the twist, which we'll get to, like well, it can so, be a little bit jarring to kind of put the pieces back together. Right. So here's the part that I love so much about that is because the mom comes into the into the room and she doesn't realize Marie's in there at first, hiding in the closet, and then she kind of walks toward the closet, and then Latour comes in and just like brutally slashes her, like opens her throat yep. wide open. And uh, as the mom is, like, kind of sinking down toward the ground, in between the slats, she's making eye contact with Marie the whole time. Yeah. Which is, a, like, a very... It's, it's just kind of chilling, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then you just see all this blood spraying and stuff. like, And you hit, the sound design in this movie is crazy. It is. That was one thing that I never noticed before until we watched it again, like, for, for the show. Yeah. It's like, that sound design is fantastic. So many, like, the carnage. Somebody, oh, so, like, somebody some the, loved like squishy things <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a lot like some of the carnage take like this part this next part in particular takes place off screen you don't actually see it happening but just the sound and you don't know what he's doing he's got his razor blade out and you hear him kind of like hacking at something mm-hmm. and there's blood spraying all over the closet that marie is hiding in and then when she finally comes out for some reason he is just 
lopped off the left hand of the mother mm-hmm. just for n- no reason whatsoever. I mean, did I, I meant to kind of look it up to see if there was any meaning behind that, but I, I couldn't really. I, I, no I don't know. idea. So he just lopped off her hand. Uh, the next part, which kind of sucks, is there's a there's also a little boy who lives in the house. Mm-hmm. Marie comes and she finds uh, um, Alexia all bound with chains and she's gagged with like a chain with a piece of hose over like so it's really pulled tight into her mouth and stuff like that and then you hear the little boy running through the house like yelling for his mom and then he runs out into the cornfield and marie's looking down on this and she sees latour going after the kid this is is this one of those scenes that you're talking about where it was like you had to kind of think back on how it all played out because marie's watching him from the window, follow the kid out into the cornfield, and Alexia is right there, uh, seemingly being able to see Marie right in front of her there, right? Well, no. So here's okay. We I, I feel as though spoiler. Just give away yeah, the spoiler. In, in yeah. order to talk about this kind of stuff, we have to give away the spoiler. The killer the entire time was Marie, right? And basically, she's crazy. And what you're seeing, the way that you're watching the movie is the way that she recalls it in her own head. Right. So she thinks that she is seeing certain things and she thinks that she is reacting a certain way to certain things. Mm -hmm. But it's really this weird kind of amalgamation of both. Yeah. You know, like, and, and. There are well, she's, that she's I, a split. She has a split personality. So yeah, she's, but you're seeing it through. You're seeing the movie though through the different eyes of the different personalities. So you right. think. So when she's the killer, she's like seeing. Uh, she's actually seeing. The, she ex, she's actually seeing the killer in third person. Yes. Yes. From Marie's and point of view. And it's a weird. It's a really weird concept to wrap your head around, especially at first, because mm-hmm. there's some certain things that you don't think make any sense. Um, the scene though where you see like or she's watching her run through mm-hmm. obviously um obviously marie was not in the room with alexis right alexia alexia while this was happening right and one thing that i did notice and i paid attention to this because i was so confused um alexia never acknowledges marie in any scene that she's in and I know I paid very, very close attention to this. Mm-hmm. Even when they're in the back of the truck, she never acknowledges her. Yeah. She is reacting the way that she would react on her own. And Marie is acting as though she is, but she's really not. Right. Like, and that's a very important thing to watch for in this movie, especially once you know the twist. Right. Because that proves that she that there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. This is just what 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 Marie thinks in her head is actually happening because she has a split personality. Yeah. It's like she's making up memories as she's going along. Right. One of the big things that I always had a problem with was one of the opening scenes. And that is you have Latour, who is the uh, the killer, who is essentially uh, Marie in, in this case. Mm-hmm. So so Latour, Latour, right? Latour, yeah. Yeah, Latour and... So Latour and Marie are obviously the same person. There's a there's an opening scene where Latour is basically giving himself head with a severed head. Well, you think he's just getting head at first in yeah. his truck, and then he just and then he pulls just... out the side of his window, drops a severed head. That head, I don't know if you noticed, it's Alexia's. Head. It's Alexia's head. Um, so that that it, to me, but, but that scene took place before Marie woke up in the car. So she was just she was dreaming it because she, she had these tendencies in her head, right. dreaming it. 
she's also in love with her friend Alex. So, and she's it's the two things combined. And it, it's, that was one of the scenes I never understood before. Right. I'm like, well, if this is all fake, where the fuck does this scene yeah, fit? Why, in? Yeah, why is that? I fair? never really understood that. Mm-hmm. So that absolved for me because I I get it now. Like I understand where they were going. Well, with and when it. she wakes up, she talks about this weird dream that she had where she's like, I was running through the forest and I was being chased, but mm-hmm. I was being chased by myself, yeah. which is huge they foreshadowing. Give, it's a, they give away the whole movie in the first sentence right. if you actually know what you're looking for. It's right. pretty crazy. But that's a good point that she was so. So she was not only they like she doesn't realize it but she was not only dreaming about her chasing herself through the forest but she was actually dreaming from the perspective of Latour too mm-hmm. because the whole mm-hmm. scene where he's getting a, a beager in his well, truck she's both right so yeah but she never really it never really clicks with her yeah I, and I didn't get that until this final viewing because I actually watched for it so mm-hmm. I'm happy that I I finally understand this movie a little bit more than I did for the last few years because right. That was a big. That was a big contention piece for me. Like yeah. it, 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 I, I just didn't get it. I'm like, this movie doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I love the movie, but things there, there are certain things that happen that shouldn't happen. The only other part of the movie that still stands out is you have Marie who is driving in a yellow car, mm-hmm. chasing after uh, Latour in the the van with uh, Alex Alex in the back. Mm-hmm. Or Alex. You always call her Alex. 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 Um, I don't understand what's supposed to be real at that point. If you're believing that Marie is the real killer, mm-hmm. she's driving the yellow car. Yeah. So is Alex in her trunk in the yellow car? Because that other van I don't think exists. This now, is the one part that's still confusing me. Now there was there was uh there was originally a scene in the movie that they cut out because they didn't want to give away too much of it uh right in the beginning. But the part where they are driving at night to Alexia's house and uh, Alexia stops the car and she's like, I just heard something outside and she walks out into the cornfield. So then Marie gets out and walks after her and it turns out she's playing a prank on her and she had doubled back and Alex had gotten into the car and drove away without her. Yeah. There was originally a scene where when they're out in the cornfield and Marie is kind of like looking around out there for her, she sees Latour's van out there. So it made me wonder if Latour's van is actually like, is it, is it real? Like what if she spotted it? I don't think that it is. Because if she was dreaming it, that means it's in her head. Yeah, that's true. Now and this is and this is the part that doesn't make sense to me. If the van's not real, mm-hmm. that means that that Alex must be tied up in the trunk of the car that Marie is driving. Yeah. But Marie wrecks that car. Yep. And Alex is still in the back of the van and she finds her there later. And if she wrecked her car, mm-hmm. if that was all part of her imagination, she still wrecked her car there and there's no and she never goes back for Marie in the trunk. Marie would probably be dead at that point from wrecking the car that bad. Unless when you see her go back for Alex in the back of the van, she's actually just getting her out of the back of that car. But the car's wrecked. Well, the I car mean, is the car is wrecked upside down, and there's no way somebody would survive in a trunk flipping a car a couple times. Well, what if she was in the back seat? 
I mean, maybe I'm assuming they'll. I mean, there's part a, for there's, part, she'd be in the trunk. There's a certain level of suspension of disbelief yeah, that any that needs to happen with this movie. That's the part obviously. of the movie that still gets me, and still <clears throat> I'm just like, you know what? Maybe that could have been written a little bit better to make sense once you understand what's going on. Right. And I don't think that it was. I think I think the script was written. This is very early Alexander Aha, so maybe he wasn't quite as you know in tune with the writing skills at that point in time you know right. like there, i think that you, there's a bit of liberties you have to take right to really understand the movie and i get that now but that's still like a, a kind of a negative mark in my eyes with this flick because there are parts that they don't exactly line up mm-hmm. there's another part in um in the beginning they're at the gas station and uh marie uh marie gets out she's doing she's doing her thing or whatever but she runs into the gas station because she thinks Latour is real at this point. Mm-hmm. And she runs in, she talks to the clerk, and the clerk like understands that she's kind of frantic, and then she hides behind um, the end cap. Mm-hmm. And then Latour comes in, and the clerk starts talking to Latour. Mm-hmm. After he already saw her run to the back, so like I'm confused. Maybe Who that is... was a, maybe that was all just part of her delusion, though. Like maybe. But but then I thought that too. But then. After talking to Latour, the clerk goes back to the liquor cabinet to get something out and sees Marie hiding around the corner and acknowledges her. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's he talking to? Like, either she's there behind the end cap or she's up at the front waiting for booze. Who is who is he acknowledging? Because he does both. Well, she might... And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I mean, she could have just been, like, acting erratic, which would which would explain why he seemed very nervous. Like her acting erratic though. Yeah. Either she's at the end of the store or at the front of the store. Pick no, one. not Pick I, one. no, no. Because if you think about the scene, either she's up in the bedroom with Alexia watching Latour chase the kid through the cornfield, or she's down in the cornfield chasing the kid. That's where the split personality thing comes in. Like she's sometimes, so, like whatever's happening, wherever she's talking to somebody, the other part of what's going on is the delusion. So she's making up these things in her head as she goes I, along. I, okay, so I get that. I just feel as though like the clerk, though, wouldn't react differently. It would be her person that's reacting differently, not the clerk. And the clerk looks at her hiding behind the end cap mm-hmm. and, and very clearly goes, it's okay, I got you, I won't let him know that you're here. He, I don't think he says that. No, he doesn't say it. He looks at her, though, and gives that kind of, like... He just looks at her nervously. No, like, he why looks, is she he, acting he weird? He looks at her and kind of smiles and nods to her, though, like... I get it. You're okay. Like he does. And it's kind of weird though, because the clerk shouldn't act any different, you know? Well, the clerk should only be reacting to one person. If you think about it though, like she, so she was Marie. That's who she actually was in real life. If she busted into that place and said, there's some dude after me, he might actually take that for what it's worth and get nervous about it. Maybe the whole conversation about the sunglasses and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe that was all part of the delusion. Maybe she didn't actually have that conversation I guess with that's him. That's fair. And then she I goes guess... and she hides behind the end cap, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. I think there's like there's there's certain things that you just kind of have to look past. Yeah. To kind of work it out. I guess the whole the whole idea is that she's crazy. So as a viewer, you have to kind of put your head in space in the mind of a crazy person. Right. Right. So okay, I mean, I'll, I'll take that as as a. As a way out of it, but um, so so what else? What else? What else? We, we, to wrap this let, up, what else? You got? Let's wrap this up just uh, real quick, just because I said that there were uh, references to other movies. Um, 
the uh, the um, the closet scene obviously was paying homage to Halloween. Uh, Halloween. The uh, the scene where uh, she hides from the killer in the gas station was an homage to a similar scene in Maniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one that I just saw? Da, 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 da. Oh crap! I lost it. Um, there was one from The Shining. Which one was that? The according to oh yeah according to Aha the brutal death of Jimmy was modeled after the infamous axe murder in The Shining. Yeah, when uh, yep. when Scatman Crothers yep. gets the axe to the chest. Uh, there was a couple more that I saw, but basically, uh, Maniac basic, was another movie they drew in. That's why I said from. Maniac yeah. was a yeah. Yep. So it, yeah, he he sprinkled in a lot of the stuff that he loved he into this movie, which I thought was really cool. I have the, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie was the random inclusion of two Muse songs. Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah, that was <laughs> like, bizarre. Randomly, Muse is just kind of playing throughout the soundtrack. Uh-huh. I'm okay with it. I like Muse. Yeah. And then also, um, I used to think that my favorite kill in the movie was the cement saw at the yeah. very end. It's no, it's not. No. It my wasn't, favorite, it my wasn't favorite as... kill is the fucking baseball bat with the with the barb or, or not the baseball bat the the, the it's steak, like a two by four or something steak yeah. with a with barbed wire because she hits him in the face and then it peels back at one point like the barbed wire it is the most satisfyingly <laughs> disgusting thing on the face of the earth and i love it <laughs> uh um yes that that was awesome i'm trying to think of uh Oh, the uh, there's a there's kind of a brutal part at the end, which it's not so much brutal as it is just ki- kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies. But the uh, the giant piece of glass in the Achilles tendon. Oh yeah, that part. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh. Again, it's the, the fully the, got the fluid sounds. Yeah, the, <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. But basically, uh, basically, it kind of comes. It all comes to a head, and you find out that Marie was the killer all along. Yep. There's a really cool scene where uh, she's on the ground because uh alex has just stabbed her yeah and then she she drops down below the like the eye level of the camera and then when she stands up she's latour all of a sudden yes (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's it's amazing that if you look at your phone you don't pay attention to anybody you can't even touch fingers with jay Without your fucking brain turning off. <laughs> I was listening the whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, in fairness. She drops down below the camera. Yeah. When she pops back up, she's Latour all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you won't get away from me, At bitch. the end, they do a good job of going back and forth yeah. between the two of them. They really do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's High Tension. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's it's fantastic. It's a mind fuck at first. J- just the, the jump scare at the end. Yeah. We don't even need to say what it is because people should still go watch the movie regardless yeah. if you haven't seen it. But the jump scare at the end is one of the most effective, I think, because... Oh, really? See, I didn't care for it as much. Well, well it's because you've seen it before. Uh, Yeah, But maybe. the first time you've ever... Like, her... The way she just kind of looks toward the mirror and it's almost like she can feel Alex's presence. And yeah. she just... It's so unassuming. Like, you, you think she's cuffed to the bed. There's nothing she can do. But just that, like, instant of her reaching toward the one the two-way mirror is totally effective to me yeah, and it's a I great agree. way to end the movie i agree 100%. but yeah anyway that is high tension from that's, 2003 that's haute tension all right so uh next up we have horns from 2013 directed by guess guess who is directed by uh uh spielberg yep that's the one yep uh alexander <laughs> aha uh so so uh in the aftermath of his girlfriend's mysterious death a young man awakens to find strange horns sprouting from his temples. And no, this is not a porno. 
It could very easily be a porno. <laughs> Why? Was he feeling horny? Ah. two dicks coming out of his head. Like, Actually, it's funny that it. you say that because the very first line in this movie is, are you feeling horny? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it is. So this is starring uh, Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, also starting Max uh, Minghella as Lee. Joe Anderson as Terry. Uh, that would be Daniel Radcliffe's brother in mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, you have Juno Temple, who plays the woman in question who got murdered. Uh, she Marin. plays Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Garner plays Glenna. Uh, who uh, James Remar mm. plays his dad. Jeff yes. fucking love James Hell Remar. Yeah. He's not, he's not bad in anything, Mm-mm. like legitimately. Heather Graham plays Veronica. Uh, Heather Graham actually reprises a role as a uh, waitress, which she did in Twin Peaks way back in the day. Oh, it's kind so of a call out to... Yeah, that's what everybody seems to think. It's yeah. kind of a, a callback to that, which is pretty cool. And then fucking David Morse. I love David yeah, Morse. Yeah, he's awesome. One of those character actors that, like, he's just... I say character actor, but he kind of plays himself and everything. He's just not a leading man. Yeah... He seems to play the same character in a lot of movies, but Basically. that's okay because he does it really, really well. Yeah. He plays um, Marin's father in, yeah. the, in the movie. Basically, just plays a guy who, if you were on his good side, he seems like he'd be a really nice guy, and if you're on his bad side, he could, be, re- he could be really scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah <pretty laughs> like much. a guy you wouldn't want to mess with. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> so this is a weird movie. When uh, when we when I when this movie first came out. I had no intention of seeing it whatsoever. Really? I thought it looked dumb. I thought it looked like um, it was basically Harry Potter starring uh, the devil version. It's, it's Harry Potter, but the devil version of Twilight. What? That's what it reminded me of. That was a that was a clusterfuck of a thing that you just said. <laughs> you do, so you're just taking the fact that it's Daniel Radcliffe, so you automatically thought Harry Potter. Yep. And then... It reminded me of like a Twilight teeny bopper movie, but only instead of vampires, it was the devil. Did you even watch the trailer? Did you that's, just see like the? It just that's just what it reminded me of. I don't know. That's just the the tone that I got from it. You're dumb. It just that's fine. <laughs> it just didn't do anything for me. Like when this first came out, I was like, ah, oh, horns, Daniel Radcliffe. It just it looks like Twilight with the devil. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's just what it looked like. You know, oh, it's starring Harry Potter. That's where my description came from. I will actually say this movie made me, I, I've, like, I love the Harry Potter movies, but Daniel Radcliffe has always been kind of, I don't know, just such a fucking dweeb. Oh, I like him. I actually do like Daniel Radcliffe. I like the Harry Potter movies. I really haven't seen him in much more other than that. I've never seen The Woman in Black. I haven't yeah. seen Swiss Army Man or anything like that, so... Which I want to see Swiss Army Man. It so looks do good. I. I actually want to see them more now. But um, I saw, I saw, like after watching this movie, I was like, I kind of, I like Daniel Radcliffe a lot more now. Yeah, he's you know? good. He's good when he sheds that Harry Potter stigma. Yeah. It. Yeah, he's way better. Uh, this movie is based on a novel uh, called Horns by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Mm-hmm. So technically speaking, we're continuing our Stephen King, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, month here. Um, <laughs> No, I really, really liked this movie. So did I. Dare I say I liked it better than High Tension. Yeah? I think for rewatch value, this movie's better. Okay. Um, Is it just because it's newer to you or just just overall it, everything I mean, it about it was... could be, but I think it's more the fact that uh, I think it's a better story. Yeah. Quite frankly, I, I, I think it's a... I think it's a, a better story. It was a good like it was. It's like it was, a whodunit. It's very. Sort uh, of. It was a whodunit. It, it's very like it's very unique though. I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this yeah. before. It's weird. It has like this this like teeny candy coating shell mm-hmm. with this really dark center. Yeah. 
like I think I said the same thing about Sabrina. You did say that. But no, but you know what though? They're very similar in that sense. So like this movie is not what you would expect. Like mm-hmm. going into a oh, it's a horror Daniel Radcliffe movie. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you go into it and there's one sign where it's like, I fucked her tight pussy. And I'm like, oh my god. Like yeah, that, that I line did, I did not expect that. I was kinda line taken to come out of this. I was kinda taken aback by that line because and I, I guess I'll just get into this right now. That particular character was supposed to be like madly in love with this girl his entire life and you treat her like meat sort of yeah, the, yeah like when he, when he I delivered agree. that line i was like that doesn't seem like regardless of the the evil act that he did that doesn't seem like something that he would have said well, you know what i mean what I took it as is that he wasn't madly in love with her. He was madly in lust with her. Ah, like he just wanted... He thought it was he, love when he was a little kid. Right. And as he got older, because he could never have her, it just turned into lust. That's a good point. That's how I took yeah. it. Yeah, and it was really, man, like... after he, After he said that, and then the scene that goes along with that, I was yeah. just like, man. Um, and so his death, when he died, the way that he died so was satisfying. very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get into talking about the points of this, let's <clears> really quickly go through the... Go through the plot. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays a guy named Iggy, uh, who is dating Marin. Ignatius. Ignatius. Ignatius uh, Parrish. He was dating this girl named Marin. They had been dating since they were kids. Uh, and the movie starts with her death. She's dead. Uh, Iggy's blamed for the death. Her family blames him. Everybody, even his own family, thinks he did it. Uh, he's Him and his friend Lee are the only ones that think that he is... Uh, innocent. And so Lee the, is a an attorney at this point, so he's, he's kind of on his side trying to clear his yeah. name. So the whole movie is basically him trying to clear his name, mm-hmm. and through the process of that, uh, he uh, he wakes up one morning and he has horns growing through his head, mm-hmm. and these horns give him the ability to make everybody around him basically tell him the truth and tell him like their their tell deepest him, like, desires, their deepest darkest yeah. shit that's going on in their um, head. And it doesn't the horns don't just start sprouting. It's because he kind of like. There's a there's a, a vigil out at this yeah. tree house that him and Marin used to go to all the time. And all the ev- time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> and uh Got British there for I don't know why that happened. <laughs> um Daniel Radcliffe took me over for a second. I don't know. <laughs> and uh I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know about it. <laughs> uh there's this vigil and um everybody's set up, you know, like statues of uh of Virgin of Mary Virgin Mary and, yeah. and candles and, and, and stuff like that. And he comes out, he's drunk, he's just, like, so fed up with the fact that the entire town is against him, and he just, like, he's drunk, he just starts pissing all well, over the candles, he, actually he, smashes, says, he smashes the Virgin Mary. He says, he, actually, he says out loud, though, like, like if God is real, why did he let this happen? Exactly. Like, he was, and like, it, forsaking God. At that right, point. and yeah. it's like, he's kind of like, he's done with God, and so this, it, it kind of brings on this darkness, and that's what kind of takes him over, yep. and so he wakes up one morning and uh, has these horns sprouting from his head it's almost like he was and and this is a very obvious theme through the whole movie he was such a good person angelic Mm -hmm. that he was and he was so riding high on his love for her that when it came crashing down he fell right and he was a fallen angel like lots of very lots of symbology it's a a very big thing yeah there's a lot of symbology in this movie actually (laughs) there's a ton and i kind of love it for it symbolism what's the Symbology behind this. <laughs> um, oh, was that me? I don't know. Is that my hat that oh, just no, touched I me? My, I think my chair hit oh, the table. That's all right. me. All right, that's all right. Uh, so, so anyway, um, once these horns sprout, 
it, it's kind of a it, it gives him a big advantage because yeah. nobody can really keep the truth from him. Nobody can lie to him. It's like a, it's nobody like a can human lie to him, detector. and they tell him all their darkest inner thoughts and stuff. And so he kind of decides like, well, this is even though this seems terrible, it's kind of a good thing for me because now I can try and hunt down her true killer. Yeah. Because nobody's going to be able to keep this information from yeah. me. So that's what he spends the rest of his movie doing is just like hunting all over town to find people who might have some sort of connection to yep. Marin's and, murder. And he eventually, spoilers once again, he eventually comes to find out that it was his best friend, Lee, the guy who was actually uh, uh, representing him in, in the court of law. Right. He was the one that actually killed her. Right. So that's what he finds out. Uh, so that that's that's your movie essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a uh, drug addicted brother that he helps throughout the course of it, basically using the dark arts those, to uh... <laughs> those damn musicians. They just can't stay right. off the drugs, huh? Um, so that that's essentially horns in a nutshell. You know, spoilers and all. So let's let's break this down because there's a lot to talk about this movie. Um, it starts off with one of the a really really cool transition actually between. Uh, uh, I got a funeral and him. Is oh, not funeral? the funeral. No, no, no it's, funeral. it's him and him and Marin laying on yes, the on the, God, uh, on the ground by the treehouse. And then it goes down to the ground. It's almost like a funeral. That's why it reminds me right. of that. Because you, you see underground, and then it's him lying on the ground upside down. And the camera flips. It's, it's a really cool it's transition like, it's like between. A, it's like a quick foreshadow because they kind go of, down yeah. underground, yeah. which kind of hints to the fact that because he says, "I'm gonna love you for or for the rest of my life," and she says, "Why don't you just love me for the rest of my life?" What a downer when you understand what that means. Yeah. What a downer. Yeah, super downer. Right? And then it transitions down into the dirt. So it's kind of, like I said, kind of foreshadowing. Yep. It lets you know that she's gone now. Yep. And then you see this upside down shot of him uh, laying on the floor with like an empty booze bottle next to him. Yep. He gets up. He, you don't really know what's happened at this point, but he goes to his window and you just see he all these up. like. Before he, before he even goes to his window. What a fucking vinyl collection this guy's got. Oh, yeah. Like, I watched it, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this guy is my idol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is probably the like one of the greatest vinyl collections I've ever seen. That's a big it's collection. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. I, just, I had to point that out. <laughs> so he goes to the window, and there's all these uh, protesters or picketers, whatever the hell you want to call picketers them. Picketers and like people from the media want to an talk an- to him. It's an angry mob, basically, yeah. plus a bunch of reporters who so are... This is- Post court from him, like he was tried for the murder, right? Uh, or no, no, he, not not tried. It's just they have no, they have no, bail. they have no solid evidence yeah. of him. But everybody just assumes that he's the murderer because, uh, yeah. especially you find out within the first like half hour of the movie or something that there's, uh, there's a new witness, yeah, who's saying. I saw everything. I know exactly what happened, and I know for sure that Ig was the one who killed Marin. He dragged and so her now, into his car after I saw that. Right. So yeah. now everybody in town's just like, okay, this guy has to go down. So there's turns people. out to be a lying bitch. Yeah, Heather Graham. Yeah, <sighs> you Heather bitch. Graham. I like Heather Graham though. <laughs> <laughs> I like her naked. Um, <laughs> she was. was a, it's funny because she. I guess I guess in this role it really called for it, but she's she's a bit of an overactor. She can be, she can be. I still like her. I, I like her. Be. I like her too. But it just, I guess maybe some of her roles just call for that. Well, but like, it's her facial I, expressions. It's I like, thought that too, though. Are you talking about when he goes back to talk to her and she can't help but tell the truth? Uh, because in, everybody who is telling the truth yeah. though does overact yeah, a little in bit that part, so it yeah, makes I guess, sense I guess maybe that yeah that makes more sense so she's doing it intentionally yeah because it makes way more sense yeah that's true 
but never mind. Forget um, what I said. Disregard. In that opening scene, though, before he goes to the window, or as he's going to the window, mm-hmm. he looks out. You see all the protests and whatnot, and then he puts his he puts his finger on the record that's playing, and it just slows down. Mm-hmm. And it's this really cool, like it's not a scene transition, but it's a mood transition. Mm-hmm. It goes from being very happy, go lucky. He's listening to like what is it, Bowie? I think he's listening to We Could Be Heroes. Yeah, is it Bowie? No. Ye- is it Bowie? Fuck. There's a correction. Now, who sings the original We Could Be Heroes? It's either Bowie or Dylan, I think. No, it's not Bob Dylan. No, 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 no. Dylan's son covered it in The Wallflowers. Oh, That's he did. what I'm thinking of. Because um, The Wallflowers version is what I'm most... I think it's I think it's Bowie. I think it's Bowie. Point is, though, he puts his finger on the record, and it slows the record down. So it's like, we could be heroes for mm-hmm. just for... And it takes the whole mood, though from like the whole scene from being really high and cheery to like bringing you down to his level and how he feels right. you know and it's a really really cool and really effective way to tr- transition the tone mm-hmm. of the entire movie uh and i really appreciated that that was a kind of a genius thing from uh it is david bowie <laughs> <Ha-ha>! <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh we're awful my wife's gonna give me shit about that one because uh, she ain't gonna give me shit yeah. um and so this is also the part of the movie too where it tells a little bit more of the story and they do a weird thing in this flick where they jump back and forth between uh present time and when they were kids and i didn't know they were gonna do that and i i i, I pulled out two things from the whole back and forth thing one was is your that, dick well, <laughs> one is that i thought that they spent too much time on the kids because it went from the Daniel Radcliffe story to mm-hmm. just the kids, but it stayed on the kids for a long time and almost made you forget about the Daniel Radcliffe story at first. I thought that was a little bit jarring. I think they could have maybe my, sped uh, that up a little bit. My short-term memory is better than yours, so <laughs> it didn't pull me out at all. No, no, no it, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that. It was just like I didn't know what story they were trying to tell at that point. You know what I'm saying? At the very beginning... Because they spent a lot of time with the kids okay, after spending well, a lot of time with Daniel Radcliffe. I guess I kind of see what you're saying just because it jumped back to just him seeing Marin for the first time in church. And like her yes. like seemingly signaling him with a reflection from the crucifix that she but was then wearing it was around him her and neck. His, but then it was him and his friends on the docks and they did that whole it was thing with the shopping cart. It was giving it was, you a sense of who all of his friends were because there was, uh, there was Glenna who just wanted so badly to be part of the group that yeah. like they you know his like his one Wait, friend his his friend is Lee. Glenna the girl that he slept with yeah when oh my god I didn't put yeah. that I did not put that together yeah. okay so, so okay. there were, so there was Ig there was his brother yep there was Glenna who was the girl there was Eric who was the the cop who ends up being uh he gay like oh my he God, I did yeah. not put this together. Eric was the gay Lee, cop Lee was there obviously because Lee was the guy that jumped in to save him when he did his Jackass yeah, and he's the stunt. kid who blew his fingers off with the cherry bomb. Who had devil horns for the rest of the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing, was, I think Was not. that all of them? Yeah. It was two middle. No, no, no. Was that all of the characters? Oh, um, was, I mean, fuck, I didn't remember half of them to begin with, so you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, it was Ig, it was his brother, it was Glenna, it was Eric, and it was Lee. Okay. And those are, so that's, okay. I think that's what, maybe, maybe you didn't realize that the older characters were those people, and that's why you're not... Well, didn't they didn't like establish the... it though. They really didn't establish it as well. They did though. Mm. I think you just weren't you paying attention. You know, we did a better job at establishing that mm. is the movie It, mm. and I actually had a really strong connection of watching this to It. It felt like the flashbacks to the Losers Club 
in can, the original I it can a lot. See that. Like I, I I got that that comparison. Except for that you didn't except for that you didn't put together the fact that the older characters were those kids. No, no, no. I was saying that I got the, the feeling of gotcha. the feeling of those kids. Oh god, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Uh, reword the the mood that the kids like the kids scenes struck though yeah. while you're watching it like, it reminded me of it though yeah I can it see was because it. it was back in the day it was like the kids it was their, their losers club if right. you will um, I thought that was kind of cool I thought so, that so it felt good so now that you realize who <laughs> now that you realize who all of the older characters were does it make a little more sense the amount of time that they spent on the younger Group. I will still say that it would have it would have made more sense if they would have established those characters more. They really didn't establish it outside of maybe names that who was who. Like like when they were kids, it didn't really say that he was his brother, did they? Yeah. Okay, I must have missed him something. <laughs> it said he was his brother. It said Lee was the one who jumped in and saved him when he got trapped under the okay. logs. Okay. okay. It said that Glenna was the one who gave hand jobs to Eric and uh yeah. and the brother because she just wanted so desperately to fit okay, in. Okay, so I just didn't put two and two together then. That was it's my mistake. You're a dumb person. That's true. That's all right. That's true. It happens to some of us. Not me, but you. <laughs> you know what, James? <laughs> I would say fuck you, but you're right. Um Um Hey. Yeah. Egg wore a really sweet Nirvana shirt in the beginning of the movie. I'll point that out. I think I might have missed that. Yeah. He was wearing a sweet like Nirvana bleach shirt. Oh. Old school Nirvana. Yeah, I missed which that. Which is pretty fantastic. All right. Okay. Continue. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, um so so now it it so now it's it's funny because everybody everybody in town is against him, including one of his old friends, Eric, who is now the cop, mm-hmm. and he's like, like he seems like he hates him more than anybody. Yeah. Like he wants nothing more than to put him away. Like there, once uh, it grows the horns, he even he even admits that like I would do anything right now to put you. Like I would plant, well, I would they, plant they, drugs they on him, you, like, meat bag or whatever. Like they were mean to him. Sure, so it but, makes sense that he kind of hated him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, they might have been friends when they were kids, but they were not nice to him. I I will say this. Uh, I'm jumping all over the place here. The the big twist though, the yeah. fact that Lee was the killer. That do you think that was intentionally? Do you think the lead on that was not intentionally buried? Oh, was, uh, what do you mean? I saw that coming from the very beginning. Oh, I didn't. You didn't? No. Oh, not at all. Just the fact that, just the fact I that did the, see, the flashback. I did see coming that she died of cancer. I did see that coming because her mom died of cancer. Well, she didn't die of cancer, but no, 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 no. But she was dying. She was dying of cancer. Of cancer. I saw that coming because of the <clears> fact that her dad said something her, about her dad said something about her mom dying of cancer, and she even told Egg in the beginning that her mom died of cancer. Right. And then also in the very beginning of the scene, or very beginning of the movie, rather, in that beginning scene, she goes, love me for the rest of my, my life. life. Yeah. Right when she said that, I go, okay, so she's dying early and she knows it. Right. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that there was something there. Right. For sure. Um. To me, I felt like, uh, so I guess I, if you didn't think this, maybe I maybe I just picked up on it a little earlier because of some signs from when they were younger, but... Yeah. To me, I didn't like the the twist that Lee was the killer. That wasn't a twist to me. Like oh, I, really? I saw okay. it coming the entire time because he was clearly in love with Marin from the very beginning. Like he was when she dropped her cross in the church and she meant for Ig to pick it up. 
uh, Lee took it and he fixed yeah. it and he said, well, maybe I should be the one to give it back to her because I fixed it. And yeah. he said, oh, you like that girl from church, don't you? I like her too. She seems really cool and blah, blah, blah. Like, it was pretty obvious to me that he was like, that would have carried over if she was such this amazing person that Ig fell in love with her so hard and Lee liked her that much that, and then throughout the entire movie, everybody, once he grew the horns, everybody started saying like his father even told him Marin was my favorite thing about you yeah which was harsh like i didn't even like you as a son i liked your girl i loved your girlfriend so much she was the only good part about you yeah he uh he handled that all decently well i would say pretty much knowing that everybody around him hates him yeah oh man i don't understand it he wasn't a bad dude when his why did everybody hate him so much because they all thought that he killed Marin. Well, that's fair. And when his mom starts telling him that shit, that I was like, things. <laughs> I was like, when his mom starts talking to him, I was yeah. like, man, that's harsh. Yeah. Because she, she's just like, I just want, like, and it's funny because, like you said, like all the people are smiling and stuff when they're telling him these things. And she's just like, I just want you to leave and never come back. Like, I wish you were never my son. And yeah. can't you please just, like, she's like, I'm so tired of crying over this. Can you please just leave? And I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> it's like, that's that's pretty yeah. fucked up. Um, so we've been talking a lot about like that aspect of it, but there's a whole other aspect of this movie that is probably the more central part of it is the fact that he's kind of the devil, <laughs> or he becomes like an angel or a fallen angel or whatever. Yeah, the horns essentially transform him into this other entity, <clears throat> which may or may not have been brought on by Mirren. As you find out at the end, did you miss this? Maybe not. I the, don't know. You talking about the tarot card? Yeah, there's something there. I don't think that there's, she. I don't think that she did that. I think it was. There is no reason for a tarot card of either a fallen angel or the devil, the devil. Or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There is no reason for that card to be in the secret box that she left from after she died. Mm-hmm. If it didn't mean something to why he became the person that he became. I think it, but tarot cards aren't voodoo. Like, they don't make people certain things because of what they are. I think she probably, she she seemed like kind of a hippie chick. Mm-hmm. So she was probably into, uh, like, I guess not all hippie, hippie girls are into tarot, but she obviously You're was. The hippest. <laughs> <laughs> and she probably was doing his tarot at some point in time. And the devil card popped up, and she thought that there was some significance to that, and just kept it. Okay, I can buy that. You know I can I mean? buy that. I just felt like it was like foreshadowing, <laughs> not foreshadowing, but like a little Easter egg explaining something else way bigger. Well, it's um, it's weird too he, because because he, he's not. I, it's 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 like he's a devil and an angel at the same time. You he's know a what fallen I mean? angel. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's basically what yeah, it is. Like he's true. not the devil; he's just a fallen angel that became very similar to what Lucifer became. Basically, actually, it says right here the tattoo on his arm. Yeah, reads and and I was I kept trying to read it because you couldn't really tell what it was, but it was just like a line of text, and it read "Awake, arise, or be forever fallen." There you go. Which is a direct quote from John Milton's Paradise Lost. Um, all of the license plates on all of the cars, too. Did you read about this? Mm. They all have something to do with like biblical Their like, references term. to the Bible. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, I really like little hidden clues in movies like yeah. that. I'll let you I'll let you guys all you know figure out what that is. Like, go look it up. I don't want to give it all away. But like Yeah. But it's very cool. Everything everything is very purposely placed in this movie. <clears throat> right. And I really liked it. I think that the um the end of the movie shocked me. 
because I did not expect him to turn into a lava beast. <laughs> <laughs> looked cool. Uh, it looked really cool. Like I just didn't expect that. Like that was a really weird twist. Yeah. Like, like when that happened, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like they're really going full boat with this. Like they're not pulling any punches. Like they're it's it's not just like, "Oh, he has horns." He's the devil. Like, right. no, he's straight up a fucking lava beast yeah. at the end. Like, it's, it's crazy. You don't see that coming. And it looked really cool. The yeah, makeup it looked cool. It reminded really me cool. there was, uh, you watch Face Off. I do. There was that yes, guy. Yes. There was that guy exactly who was really. He did like some of the Season sickest stuff. Three, I believe it was. Yeah, and he did a lava like a lava beast like that one time, and it looked amazing. Yep. It, that's what it reminded me a yep. lot of. Yeah, it was really really cool, and like the idea that he became like the the lava beast. No, he didn't become the lava beast after that. He became like he knew that he was basically like devil ish at uh-huh. one point in time, and then he puts on a necklace that was given him by Mirren. Yeah, and it like takes everything away. Like he, oh, he dies at one point in time. He gets burned to death, which well, is there, pretty cool. There's Looks an interesting like the devil because he's all red on one side. Yeah, really cool. There's an interesting uh, so. There's there's a point in the movie where he just full on embraces the the evil side, and at that point in the movie, he makes a friend, meets a snake, yeah, and he wears the snake around his neck for a, a portion it's of the movie, badass too. and that's when he's full on, like he's just embracing this evil gift that he yep. has, and he's punishing people, and then the 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 flip side to that is after he gets burned alive in a car by his best friend Lee because he's figured out what Lee did he comes back and he goes and he sees Marin's dad and he gives uh he gives him the the cross and yep. he puts that around his neck so it's like the direct opposite he was wearing the snake around his neck and he was full on evil once he puts the cross around his neck all the burns go away the horns go away and he's he's Normal again. Normal again, yep. or 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 good again. Yeah. And then uh, as soon as is it as soon as the necklace leaves his neck again that he yep. goes full yep. on. He pulls it off. On devil mode to money morphin devil ranger back <laughs> back into like like lava beast. <laughs> yeah. Um. And but it's just really really cool. Like he right before the lava beast happens, so he pulls the necklace off and he becomes the angel for a second. Mm-hmm. Like he's expecting. Like the devil beast, but really these white wings extrude from his back or protrude from his back, and he like starts to fly a little bit. But then it's like, nope, 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 nope. You're a shitty angel. You're falling. The the wings burn, and then he falls to the ground, and then the rest of his body burns, and he just looks like this charred mess for the rest of the movie. And what that what that tells me is that he is a really good person deep down, Mm -hmm. but he's so overcome with this anger and this hate and everything else. That's where the whole fallen angel thing comes from. So it's it's a it's a really cool story. Like yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed the story. I thought that it was super well written. I thought it was super well directed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of the Alexandra Aha hallmarks in this. Like yeah. they, like when his when his brother gets his or when Lee gets his face shot off. That is a the, with the shotgun at the end. Oh Eric, Eric, gets Eric, his Eric face does. Shot yeah, off. That's, yeah, that's a fucking. Aha moment right there. Like that is <laughs> that loved, is great. <laughs> I loved Lee's reaction to that because he kind of like Eric goes to apprehend him because he's a cop and uh, the gun points up toward Eric and Lee pulls the trigger and mm-hmm. blows his head off and his reaction is just like, oh. <laughs> like he just like he just starts kind of like holy giggling shit. about it. It's like holy fuck. Just Did that blew. really just happen? Yeah, exactly. It was, I, but man, uh, yeah, Lee's, dude, it was great. Lee's death at the end 
because uh, at this point, Ig is in like full-on devil mode, Ash Beast or whatever, and Lee starts really giving it to him and like stabs him a few times with a pitchfork, mm-hmm. and Ig's last line of defense, he uses the horns and he just like gores. Lee with the horns lifts him up with one of the horns and stabs him straight yeah. through the body. Because at this point he's got full on like legend devil horns. Right, like, exactly. Huge. And then Lee falls to the ground and you think he's just gonna like bleed out or whatever. And then all of a sudden all these snakes come out of the forest and they start wrapping Lee yep. up. And then the big one that uh, Ig had been wearing around his neck the whole time comes comes and like s- uh, slithers up his body, but then crawls into the stab hole. Yep. And crawls out the other side, yeah. and, oh, and, then, and then into his mouth, and into his mouth. Yeah, it was I would awesome. love to see. I would love to see. I, I I very rarely say this, but I would love to see a remastered version of this movie where that CG was done just like a little bit better for the snakes. But there, it was, it was, it was what it was. But yeah, like it was pretty good. It was pretty good, but it could, it could be done way better now. Is all yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, you're probably um, right. Yeah, so there's that. I am um, trying to think of what else. What else I loved about this flick, like. It was just cool. Like it was yeah. just a really cool ending. It was a yeah. cool. It was cool. Everything. There's there's a ton more that we could unpack, but I, I it would take yeah. forever. This is one of those movies we could really talk about for a long time yep, because I, I think agree. there was even more like symbolism that we're even that oh, we're even sure. picking up sure. on on our first view. I'm definitely gonna watch this movie again. See if I can pick up on some more stuff. Yeah, it's got so. a lot of rewatch value. Yeah, I, like I said, I did this movie. I, of of the two, yeah. Like I'm I am going to be in Alexandra Aha. I'm. I'm a proponent of the aha moment. <laughs> aha! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else? I think uh, I think we pretty much hit everything. We're good. It kind of wraps up on a nice note. Uh, mm-hmm. Marin and, and uh, Ig are reunited in one way or another, but... Yeah. That's, uh, that's the way what it goes. What else do you want? Nothing. Oh, except for the fact that the, the opening scene of the movie was the ending scene of the movie. Which yes. Was, which was interesting. Yes. I don't think I realized that at first. That was... Because it was a bit out of context. Right. So you have no idea what you're watching. Right. Now, granted, though, when you when movies do that, though, you can almost just kind of like, oh, okay, so that's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, when yeah. you see it, you kind of understand that that's where it's headed to, but, mm-hmm. but it was still good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Definitely. One other thing I'll say before we go, he makes his brother take a bunch of drugs, <laughs> and that part was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, he says just, he says in the narration afterwards, like the only way that I could help my brother was to punish him, make him face his demons. Yep. And so he literally, like his brother already had a drug problem, and he goes and he pulls out like seven bags of different drugs. And at this point, he has power over people. He's like, "Why don't you just finish all that off?" Yep. So he just like he takes a bunch of pills. He takes a handful of coke and just eats it. Chugs like a bunch of scotch. Can you eat coke? Yeah, does it have, eat, does yeah, it have he, the same effect? I don't know if like, it has the exact same effect. I've, ne- but yeah, I've never heard of anybody coke. making Coke brownies before. Maybe because they'd be really expensive. I don't know. Uh, they, I don't know how that. I don't know how that know, works. Just, I think they'd taste too dry. You just don't <laughs> use flour. You just, <laughs> you just, you just cocaine. <laughs> you're just cocaine and a little bit of baking soda. You're good to go. No, well there you go then. All right. Too self sure. self rising Coke. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that is horns from 2013. That's uh, it. That one we uh, well we both rented it. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna go out and buy this one. When I see it, I will. Yeah, yeah. they said this is not a movie that's on my radar before. Right, and it is now because I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was really good. And actually, I'm interested in listening, <laughs> reading, reading in quotations the original. the 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 novel 
Which, which means I'm going to listen to it on audiobook. But yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. Well, that's it. That is it. Uh, if you want to find us on the social media, you can find us on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at the Buzzed Kill PC. You can find us on all first, third, second, and uh, horny. <laughs> Uh, streaming sites. <laughs> I like how proud of yourself you looked when you said that. Horny. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want you to not only rate, but give us... Give us four horns. Four devil horns. Four devil horns. S- straight up. Four, yeah. four out of ten. <laughs> We're doing good. We're shooting for the stars. Um, and yeah. if you want to find J-Rodge, you can find me on all social media at Ocean Recording. And also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs. All right, we're gonna we're gonna roll the wheel of pizza death real quick pizza and death. find out what we're doing for next week. All right, here we go. Nope, nope. There, there it is. There you go. Oh, love those true to life sound <laughs> effects. I also love how what this thing goes forever. Oh. Uh. Uh. <laughs> oh. Oh, we what is that? TV show episodes. This is a new one. Uh-oh. This is a new one. So uh, we talked about this a couple, uh, couple weeks ago. What yeah. we're going to do is uh, we are going to pick uh, an anthology TV show, like The Twilight Zone or Creep Show or something like that. Okay. And we're going to pick a couple episodes, and we're going to watch them, and we're going to talk about them. Okay. Uh, what we have on DACA is The Twilight Zone. Oh, so, nice. So uh, between now and next week's episode, we'll, we will pick uh, probably four four-ish maybe episodes to watch because sure. they're pretty short Yep, and uh, that's what we'll do okay. so no guarantees on what episodes they'll be you'll have to find out tune in next time to oh. the Buzzkill Podcast <laughs> but uh, yeah incentive to come back yeah alright alright boys well that'll do it for this week alright cheers cheers boys try to have a good night ah the French 